Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, to all of our listeners on the East Coast, and good evening to all of our listeners on the West Coast. You are now tuned in to The Exceptional Scribble Show. This is episode 107. Yes, you heard me correctly. We are in the triple digits. And I'm so very happy that we're there. And it was a long time coming, but we reached it successfully because of fans such as you. So I want to give a big shout-out to all of the fans of the Exceptional Scribble Show. And for those of you who are on social media, you can join us now live in the chat room if you go to TalkShoe.com. The show's ID number is 133 one nine three. And for those of you who are joining via the chat room, if you would like to call in at any time to speak with myself, the host of the show, Sage the Poet, or to chat with the feature artist in the spotlight, whom is Mr. Troy Lance Rawlings, this is what you need to know. First, you have to call in. The number to call in is 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. And again, the show's ID number is important to know. That number is 133-193. I repeat, 133-193. And when you call in, you always press pound after dialing that number. And if you are not a TalkShoe member, you will be entering in, joining the call as a guest. So after the voice prompt, you are to press 1 and then press pound, and you will be invited to join the call. And your mic will be unmuted. Be aware that when your mic is unmuted, any noises or sounds that are made in your environment can and will be heard by everyone who is tuned in to the broadcast this evening. So keep that in mind and let us be courteous one to another. First and foremost, we want to give honor to some very distinguished artists who did transition over the past weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure a lot of you have been made aware. Uh, One of the artists whom is an entertainment icon international icon, and I am referring to Prince, otherwise known as the artist, and we want to acknowledge him. I'm going to be playing a song in tribute to the life of Prince this evening at the very beginning of our show before rolling the red carpet, 
and turning the spotlight onto the feature artists. And we also want to acknowledge from the city of Philadelphia, we also uh, experienced another great artist who did transition. I'm referring to the late, great Billy Paul, Philly's own, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, Philly's own, Billy Paul. And a lot of you are familiar with one of his hits known as Me and Mrs. Jones. Yes, indeed. He was the Philly soul singer crooner, and he transitioned at age 81 on Sunday, April 24th. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's keep in mind that when artists transition, of course, we know music and art are forever. You heard me correctly. Music and art live on, and so do the artists. We may not see them with us anymore in the physical, but their spirit live on and their essence, which we have acquainted ourselves with, continue on with us. We cherish their music. We cherish the love that they did spread via their artistry, and we cherish their memories and all of the good times that we shared with them. So in honor of that, we want to celebrate their lives and acknowledge them and let it be known that we are going to carry on the torches. Yes, as artists, it is our duty to carry on the torches. And so in honor of carrying on the torches, we're going to hear some music from both of the artists first, the artist otherwise known as Prince, and then we're going to hear from the legendary soul crooner and a Philly native, Billy Paul. Let's hear from Prince at this time.
All right, all right. That was us, the Exceptional School Show panel, saying, yes, Prince lives on. His music, his artistry, his spirit, and his essence, people. Let us not forget the legendary music icon, otherwise known as the artist Prince. And I hope that playing that song did something good for someone's heart. Someone out there tuning in, hopefully it encouraged you and added some joy because I know right now many are still yet mourning, but let us not forget he lives on and his music and his artistry is proof of that. At this time, I am now switching gears. I want to first give a big shout out to, I see a couple of my dear friends have joined and they are in the caller queue. I want to give a big shout-out to Mr. Boston, otherwise known as the Master Scribe. I want to give a big shout-out to Lady of Love. Yes, indeed. All the way from Sunshine, Florida, Mr. Boston is calling in from Boston, Massachusetts, ladies and gentlemen. 
And for those calling in, just letting you know, the feature artist is in the house. So what I'm going to do at this time is roll that red carpet and turn the spotlight on to the feature artist. And before I bring him on to the stage and pass the mic into his hands, I want to do the honors of saying, first and foremost, I am very delighted to have this privilege for two reasons. One, because I know this man is truly true to his craft as an artist. He has been diligent for many years. He has worked and worked hard and smart to reach the plateau of success where he now stands. Also, he is still yet a work in progress, and he is not ashamed, nor is he afraid to testify of the fact that it took time and effort and study for him to evolve to where he is today. So let me give you some background, just a little background information before he takes the center stage and he takes the mic because he is a performance artist. And remember tonight that we are celebrating the muse of comedy, ladies and gentlemen. We are celebrating the muse of comedy. Yes, the muse of comedy. Our focus word phrase is raw and uncut. (laughs) Raw and uncut. And we have Mr. Troy Lance Rawlings, who will be in the spotlight. Now, here's some information for you, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you may not yet have acquainted yourself with this phenomenal artist, but he is a stand-up comedian. He resides in Burbank, California. His mission in life is to help men and women communicate better in love. And he uses the guise of comedy to make that happen. To become better acquainted with Mr. Rawlings' life mission, as for how he uses the platform of comedy to promote his cause, visit the following link. You can go online, you can do a search, even a Google search, under this title, Relationship Comedy dot, 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 what is relationship comedy, question mark. And Troy Lance Rawlings is the name. And for those of you who are on Facebook, you can visit the events page for tonight's show. You can go to Facebook.com. The event number is 169-497-075. Four zero nine eight nine eight nine, or you can just go to episode one hundred and seven, comma the exceptional scribble show, and it will take you directly to the events page for tonight's show. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, stand with me in your hearts and minds, and open your arms to welcome. The feature artist on the panel of the Exceptional Civil Show tonight. And one more thing, this is a very, very precious, 
precious soul to me because this is one and one of my favorite first cousins. Yes, indeed. First cousin. <laughs> Troy Lance Rollins. Welcome, Troy. Oh, thank you. I was like, who is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> who is she about to introduce? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You are too much. Well, and, I must say, um, you are on the road. You are doing tours. You have a tour that's upcoming for the month of May, the month of June, the month of July, and it's a summer tour. Can you first start off with um, giving us a little background information about how you began on your path as a comedian slash actor slash entertainer and a show host? which a lot of people may not know. You also have shows that you do. So if you can share with everyone a little information about how you got started and what inspired you to get involved in comedy. And is this a passion of yours, or is this just something that you said, I think I can do that, and you just jumped in and found out that you could do that. (laughs) The mic is now in your hands. Uh, thanks so much. I, I, my phone was cutting off, so if it cuts off, I'll, I'll call you back. I don't know what, what's going on. But um, okay, out here in California, can you hear me good? Can you hear me? Yes. Well? Okay. Yes. Very well, good. Well, uh, wow. Um, starting comedy, I, it's funny because people. I think you can. Um, being a comic, I think people can learn how to do comedy, but it's something about. Uh, I think I was always funny. You know, I think there was a part of me that was always funny. I always wanted to – I found joy in making people laugh, uh, have a good time. I was always an entertainment brat from Baltimore, um, mm-hmm. but always an entertainment brat between music and making people laugh. So it was always there. I don't I don't remember not wanting to make people laugh or do entertainment. It was just um, finding your niche in it. I think that's what we spend most of our lives trying to do, those two things, find out what we're here to do or called to do, what we should be doing, um, mm-hmm. and what our niche is in it. Like you could be in uh, it's a lot of comedians, but a lot of comedians haven't found their niche, meaning that uh, comedy is just a, just a tool, it's just a vehicle. But where are you going? What are you trying to leave? What's your, what's your mark to leave with people? You know, you see it all mm-hmm. the time. People like Richard Pryor, he, he knew he was funny and had a gift, but much of his career, earlier part of his career, he was just mimicking what he saw other comics do, especially people like Bill Cosby. But then it got to a point where, you know, he, through a nervous breakdown, usually it comes through some kind of uh, confrontational thing in, internally we go through, and you realize, okay, it's something more than this. I'm, I'm, I'm not just silly. I'm not just here to be making people laugh. What is, what is my full calling? And I think Richard stepped into that, and that's why... He's held, he's heralded as the greatest, one of the greatest comedians ever. But I, I think that's the thing. And um, um, I always, from a young age, you know, you know how Aunt Betty was. You know how my mom was. She's mm-hmm. very open talking to all the kids, uh, especially talking to me about sex, love, and relationships. So um, uh, more so about sex at the time, young time. Like, what you out there doing? You doing something? Didn't <laughs> 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 break down. But she really changed the course of our relationship when I was young because she told me, look, you can always come to me. Plus, my, you know, we come from a line of nurses. So mm-hmm. they want to know everything that's going on. What's going on? What's going down there? Take your pants down. Wait a second. My, take it back. seen everything you got twice. Uh, take it down. What's wrong? You all right? 
so it was like she when she but when she said to me that there's if you ever want to talk to me about sex or relationships or something you don't know and especially as a preteen you hear this from your mom and it was a different course of conversation my mom was the disciplinarian my father was real cool so it's different all of a sudden she's talking to me on a level like of respect and saying look you're not going to get in trouble if you come to me and talk to me about something you're going through mm-hmm. and it changed the course of our relationship and and changed my relationship with how I was dealing with females and talking to girls and it, it but it, it opened something up in me it was like wow I can come and talk to my mother about anything? Wow. Okay, mom. <laughs> and it changed. But I recognized that at a young age. But I also recognized the reason it changed everything is because she wasn't judging me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take that technique. And uh, there's an author, and uh, you, you know uh, you know everything. We always talk. So author by the name of Yonder, good friend of mine. Yeah. And shout out to my brother, also Keno Davis. Keno Davis is one of the brothers when I first started my entertainment company full time back in like 2002, 2003. He came on board and really helped me really establish Ghost Host Presents and Ghost Host Entertainment um, by but pretty much merged his company in with mine, helping us start a whole conglomerate of marketing and promotion that we still do to this day. And so I have to shout him out because he, he hits me up and he's mm-hmm. like, you don't mention me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so re- really because he was behind the scenes so much. He didn't like when we were doing a lot of things. I'm like, come on, Keno, let's go. He didn't like being up front. And when I started doing more comedy and stuff, I, I don't know why he popped into my head just now, but I was like, he might be listening somewhere. So let me shout him out because that's my man. He and um, But Yonder, same thing with Yonder. Yonder was one of my book authors that I was doing publicist work for, and I was still doing my comedy and everything. And he had a book, Erotic Fiction. You know, it was erotic fiction like Zane and all that stuff. So it was hot butt naked sex, jumping on the floor. It's happening as soon as you open the first page. It's, it's going down. <laughs> it's going down in the credits, in the, in the table of contents. They're getting it in. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. So... Women, women who read erotic fiction, mm-hmm. they and women and women that read in general. Like I didn't even know there was a market of women who would go to bookstores and buy books. Like some people buy CDs, and they get their check and they buy five, six, seven books. And right. we were doing That's a book right. Yeah, yeah, they, we were doing a book signing in Baltimore, Mondam and Mall, and I noticed that uh, the sisters, a couple of sisters, bought the book and stood there for two hours asking us questions, relationship questions, mm-hmm. that I thought most women talk to um, their girlfriends about. But when I stepped back and looked, I realized, oh, no, they can't talk to their girlfriends about this because they're asking us stuff that men would be able to tell them if men were honest with them about stuff. And, we, you know, I'm, I'm a comedian, so I don't mind embarrassing myself, but it kind of took me back to the conversations I was having years ago with my mom. And I stepped back and looked mm-hmm. at thing, and I said, you know what? We need to make this a forum and give people a chance to talk openly, uncensored, about yeah. we add the book. We add the book in. We'll add the um, we'll add the uh, some some drinks and some food and making an event because I was already producing shows and events. So I was like, just making a little get together, and we'll see how it mm-hmm. goes. It started in the back, you know, the book author Carl Weber. He opened a book uh, store franchise or bookstores called Urban Knowledge, and he had one in Mondawmin Mall in Baltimore. So we started in the back of Urban Knowledge with like 12 people. Within 12 months, 
we were in front of a ballroom of a thousand people. Mm. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I was using, I, I love comedy and love being able to do comedy and stand up and all that. But all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we had a situation where I found a niche <laughs> and something that I love doing and love talking to people. And it was just, um, for the first 12 years of doing the tour, 12 years of me doing the tour and doing that, it was just developing it, developing it into a way that I could use all the tools that I had in comedy and entertainment and production. Um, I'd been doing improv since, since I was in school, like high school and theater arts and all that stuff. So finding a way to put that with comedy and, and honing my skills through comedy and, and it developed into what is now the relationship comedy tour, relationshipcomedy.com and the love tour. Mm. Now, relationship. I'm I'm really interested in you sharing with our listeners of why relationships and love, out of just all the many themes, why do you think that it's most relevant for you mm-hmm. to have relationships and love as your themes doing your tours? Um, because that's the a lot of times when people do talk about um, sex, love, and relationships, mm-hmm. it's kind of in it's in a comedic sense, but it's not. We usually don't give people something you can walk away from and actually use it in their relationships, you know, mm-hmm. or use it in the way they deal with women or the way they deal with men. And that's I always, even when I was just starting in comedy, I. I was doing the shows and the tours where you go to the comedy clubs and they, they call it a comedy run. And I would do the comedy clubs where you do seven shows in a weekend and you're with a headlining comic or I'm featuring or it, one time, even, even when I got a chance to headline or, and it was just like, I always wanted to do something fresh. I was just one of those people not knocking anybody, but it drove me crazy to be with a crew of comedians and hear the same jokes for seven mm-hmm. shows in a weekend. And I was, and especially if you're in Baltimore, your hometown or close to it, I started getting a little popularity. And then I noticed that people were coming to the shows and was like, ah, oh, do this joke about the Incredible Hulk. Or do, or do Ray Charles. <laughs> you know, they, mm-hmm. they kind of throwing off the show because, it, and I like improv. I like spontaneity when it comes to being on stage, even though I love, you know, I have a bunch of material. But I love I love what happens in the moment. I like that kind of comedy. So I was trying to find something that keeps me entertained as much as the people. And I hold tight to some material because everything, you know, anything, my comedy prowess and the people I watch and stuff goes back to Lauren Hardy and Jerry Lewis and Abbott and Costello and Bob Hope, you know, Milton Berle and, you know, all didn't watch shows like Three's Company and, and, um, Richard Pryor movies back in the day. It, so I, I have a, I love comedy, but there's nothing really new under the sun when it comes to comedy. It's just your take on it. So mm-hmm. it's really just finding, it, it was very important to find my niche and find what made me differently. I tell people now, it's like, I'm like seeing Paul Mooney and Robin Williams rolled up into one. But it was very key for me with love and relationships because um, I realized how many people from from us doing the Taboo Talk, the original Taboo Talk tour and 
the love show and stuff like that, we started realizing that we were doing, we'd be back there for four hours and have people staying with us. I, I stand in my feet in front of, a, it's nothing for me to be in front of an audience for two to three hours because now what I do is I take questions from an audience, put them in a bucket, and I'll do some comedy, then I'll pull their questions, and I'll do improv and comedy off what they give me. So I'm one of the only comics that can travel around the nation and not knocking people, but I can travel, you know, mm-hmm. like my folks in San Diego, they were, I was coming to San Diego every month. The promoter said, some comedian called and said, why do you book Troy every month? She was like, because he does a different show every month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, every time I go, I can do a different show because I'm feeding off what the audience gives me. And then, you know, certain things you, you chime in and you touch on and it's kind of the same, but I like that um, you can change it up. But I like the fact that no matter what race or color or age Everybody deals with almost the same thing when it comes to relationships. So relationship is commonplace to all of us. All of us are, are here. We're really here to find out how to love and how to love each other better. So it's it's really the common thread. Sex, love, and relationships is the common thread amongst all mankind. That's mm-hmm. how we you know. Okay. We would not be here without somebody having sex. And the mm-hmm. love relationship is what keeps us going in life. So Excellent, excellent. Well, and... In regards to, and then I'll be taking callers. We do have callers on the line, and we have some there in and out. Uh, they'll be returning. They have some other shows that some of them are actual hosts as well. Okay. But, um, yes. But um, we would love for you to share with us just some of what it is that we can expect when we do attend a show that you are a host of about relationships, about love, what are some of the, I would say, the uh, special attractions that you provide to uh, keep your audience engaged or some of the, the, the subject matter? If you can give a, a little sample or sampling of some of the dialogue that you start off with, uh, just to get everyone kind of all uh, focused on what it is that you want to share with the audience, if you can just... Uh, give us a, a little um, intro, per se, I mean, of, of, really, you, um, of you on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, uh, if depending, uh, well, I, I'll keep it clean. I'll keep it clean, depending on the audience. But it could be anything. Um, hmm. the I like doing the anonymous, I call it the taboo teaser, is because the hook in it is that if someone puts a question in my bucket or my jar or whatever it is. Okay. They're normally going to stay until that question is answered. And Mm. if you answer it good or if you give them something different to think about, they're going to stay for the rest of them. And and I've never, you know, unless unless it's too deep for somebody at the beginning or they have somewhere to be, people stay. And that that was a a gist that I think really got us and got people over the past um, 12 years we've been doing the tour. that people stick around for the show. Now I go places and I may only have 45, 60 minutes, 90 minutes or whatever, but it's still the same thing, you know, and and I take like the people that are online, anything, nothing is taboo. So the best way for me to give an example of what I do and some of the things I talk about is somebody to bring up something uh, one mm-hmm. of the callers or somebody, if they bring up a question, any any sex love relationship question, anything they want to ask, they can ask. So okay. once you once you open it up to people like that, 
and mm-hmm. then you would let them be anonymous, like they write it on a note card, oh, the, you know, everything's wide open. And the, the biggest thing I try to help people with is because men and women, you hear it all the time, men and women are different. But it's not mm-hmm. that we're that different. It's just that we think about the same things. We just process and communicate them differently. Okay. So a lot of times what happens is, um, and, and women are wired differently. Women can think about five, six, seven different things at the same time and pretty much compute them all and talk about it. Women talk when they think. Men mm-hmm. are mentalized in our thinking. We think about one thing and get knock this out and go to the next thing. We're very bop, 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 piece by piece in our thinking. <laughs> And okay. usually when we're thinking about something, we are very quiet. Mm. So instantly, a woman sees that sometimes, sometimes, as a problem. And until she gets to know her man, it's like, that's just how he is. Older, older women back in the day, they knew how to, look, when your father get home from work, don't be making a whole bunch. She said, like, almost like a slave. Mm-hmm. When your father get home from work, shh, be quiet. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. Don't be nothing. <laughs> Don't be the hide <laughs> in the closet. You know, it's like, what? what is really going on? Mm-hmm. But she said that because she realized when he got home from work, usually men are still at work. So mm-hmm. if they had to go to work, he's like exhaling. He's like, ah, I get home to get to go home and relax. If he had a bad day at work, he's still at work. Women, mm-hmm. a lot of times, unless it's a horrendous day, they're deprogrammed. Women, well, you ever talk to a woman on the phone while she's at work? And she does not hang up that phone, no matter mm-hmm. what's going on. Hey, girl, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm here at work now. Hold on one second. Yes, ma'am, your son did get locked up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, girl, I can call you back. No, no, I'm good. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, we found out he had some kind of disease. Baby, I can call you back. No, 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 stay on the phone. <laughs> she will That's talk through everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're making conversations <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah, hold, hold on, hold on one second. Yes, yes, the fire's in the other office. Do you need me to call you back? Is the fire? No, I'm good. I'm good, girl. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 fun giving people a chance to get past that. And and I don't do the battle of the sexes BS. That's another thing about my show. So I want okay. people to keep the show uh, feeling closer together and being like, man, I never thought about that. You know, so mm. that's the so goal of my show is really to bring people closer together. As you said, it is your mission in life to help men and women communicate better in love. Do you find that your show, have you had testimonials where people came to you after your show and said, listen, we were, our relationship was on the rocks. We were about to go splitsville. But coming to your show tonight has given us a new, fresh perspective. We're going to give it another try. Have you had accounts like that to happen? Yeah, I've had people that actually were broke up, were separated mm. together. Yeah, we've heard we've heard some phenomenal uh, testimonials, and those are the things that keep me doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, literally, people that were, I mean, people that got married and were about to get separated, and then you know, God, and I always say God because God just, you know, I'm, I, that's how I flow. If God says something through me and wants to speak through me and wants to heal, you know, you can't. For one, you can't have a relationship in a marriage and try to exclude God out of it. So when I'm doing my show, I bring every bit of knowledge from from 
secular books to biblical training to everything that I've learned throughout my whole life and study even now on relationships and stuff, I bring all that to the forefront. If I learn something, it's free to whoever's at my show when they get a question. Because some of the questions are real deep. Some questions are deeper than sex. Most mm-hmm. of them than sex. The sex questions and stuff, we really used that at the beginning to attract people into the show because it was fun. But the stuff that's really taboo is them talking about we we about done and I don't know what's wrong with him. He's not he's not I, I, I was at an event and just told people sometimes I'm at an event doing something, I do acting and I host or produce a show and I just tell people what I do. And this lady pulled me aside and started talking to me about her and her husband and was like, you know, it's just like he's not interested when 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 you know, I have to initiate the sex. You know it's getting deeper because they start, they pull you over and then they start getting quiet. When I initiate the sex, and I, like, why are you whispering like this? Let's come on over here. Far away from when I initiate the sex, I was like, all right, all right, come on, come on, come on. Ain't nothing wrong with initiating the sex. First off, stop whispering it like that. But, but um, are you still there? Yes. Yeah, okay. but I, what I was able to do with her. And a lot of times when I had people say that, you know, it was like everything was, uh, you know, we, we don't, he doesn't really talk to me. He doesn't seem like he's interested. Should I be worried? Is he, you think he's cheating? And I was like, I don't think that's the case. Just because I said, well, was he hot and heavy? Were y'all really hot and heavy sexually and everything at one point in time? And she was like, yeah. I said, when did it change? Mm. And she kind of looked back and thought, uh, about and she knew the year. I said, did something happen with his job or financially? Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, we went through a. I said, yeah, that that beats a man up inside when he can't provide for his family, or something shifts in his work and a work is a big part of his life. And mm. mentally, when when some men are distressed, um, we shut down, especially when we have a woman that continues to ask us what's wrong. Because remember what I said, men don't talk out our problems. We think them out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that you're wondering why it seems like he's getting more abrasive when you ask him more questions, and he's trying to figure it out in his head. Mm-hmm. So he's like, if you just shut up for a second, I can think about it. And she's like, but you're not talking to me. You know, it's <laughs> and it becomes an issue, and then other things come to the forefront. But really, he just needs some time to process. That's why when a man and woman get in an argument, usually the women win pretty quick. Women, you ask a man two questions at once, you have won that argument. Well, well, well why are you late and where you been? Argument over, because he can't process. <laughs> mm. You're like, look, you give me too many questions at one time. One question at a time. So I hear you. So one of the things is one of the things that um I, I found out from the sister I was talking to was that they, there was a financial piece that dropped off. There were different things, and I just told her, look, just be loving to him, caring to him, and and the more comfortable you make him, the more you know, the more you help him. You know, what he, if he likes to eat, it may sound old school, but what he likes to eat, let him get some rest. If he need a bath, draw a bath for him. Then you know he's going through something. It's the same way with men a lot of times that may not know what's going on with their woman. Well, they have to look and say, how loving am I being to her even if I'm going through something? Yeah, mm-hmm. I want respect from her. Am I being loving to her? Because, you know, men usually need respect. Women usually need love. All right. Well said. I'll get too deep on you. 
This is good. This is all good. We're um, all ears. We're going to take a music break. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to go in a little more deep because this, of course, is an adult-only forum at this point. Right. Uh, we're approaching the 9 p.m. hour of the Eastern Standard Time on this time zone on the East Coast. So right. we'll be able to talk about a little more intimate uh, things regarding sex and love relationships. And we have some callers that I know already to uh, interact and have conversation with Troy. So we're going to take a music break. And in honor of Billy Paul, we know that he transitioned on Sunday, uh, January, I'm sorry, um, April the 24th. He was born on January 19th. And just a little information for anyone uh, that is not aware, he received birthday wishes on his 80th birthday from President Obama. And the president also acknowledged his decades-long contribution to music. Uh, the president and Michelle Obama wished him all the best in the coming years, of course. And we know that he now is our ancestor, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, as was already said, with our artists. Because art and music are forever. We want to remember them in our hearts and in our minds forever. Because, in essence, they live on. Their spirits never die, and their artistry continues. So let us celebrate the life of Billy Paul, and this is one of his songs, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was, we know, me and Mrs. Jones by the late, great (laughs) Billy Paul. (laughs) Okay, that that was music, ladies and gentlemen. We all know, you know, the, the classics, nothing like those. You know, that's the music that we never want to say goodbye to. It's the music that many of us came into this world. <laughs> same cafe, same Right? If you're going to be careful, why keep on to the same cafe at the same time? I know, yeah. Today we're like listening. We're really listening to, you know, what these lyrics say. So we're questioning some of the things that we hear. Yeah, we had, you know. Cafe, same time. That's not careful. I know, right? <laughs> Somebody gonna, you're gonna mess up one day and accidentally go to that cafe. <laughs> hey, Mr. Paul. <laughs> this is my wife. Oh my goodness. Hey, listen, we've gotta keep it there. We've gotta say these things because sometimes people forget, you know? Yeah, right. you gotta be careful. You really need to be careful because <laughs> going on. We gotta be same place, same time. I'm telling everybody. <laughs> you singing about it. You ain't being careful. Oh, my. Right, right. <laughs> hey, let, there's a lesson to be learned. Brown singers Always know where y'all at. Moment. When on. <laughs> you ain't being my careful. My. 
Well, we have a caller in the in the caller queue. We have a Pam. 1962, that's her uh, sign-in name. I want to welcome you. Welcome, caller. Hi, this is Pam. I, I was here, I, I visited last week, and I'm... Uh, yes. As I call, I, I uh, like, I, I signed in with the, with the, uh, uh, the platform that you'd had me sign up for, and I actually remembered the password. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. And so this is your second time calling into the show, correct? Yes, ma'am, and, and um, I'm, I, I'm, like, in the middle of all this major spring cleaning, but I told my son, I, I, I'm going to put it on the phone, I'm going to listen when I can, and I, I've, your uh, guest speaker is just phenomenal and inspirational i i, I just uh, yeah thank you very much yes I, he is yeah i think it's um it's really great to talk about love and relationships it's you know it it's and that SEX too because i think the problem of today is sometimes we don't talk enough about sex mm-hmm. and then when these issues arise because we are not having this open dialogue that we we need to have, it's healthy to have, then we don't really know how to properly address these sex issues. So um, we're glad we have Choi on tonight because he uses that platform as a comedian actor to help couples, to help men and women who need help. Right. You know, we right. all need help, right? With, but um, yeah. yeah. So, if you have any questions for him, he's more than able to assist. If you have any questions, maybe some something that you always didn't have an answer for that you noticed in relationships you were constantly encountering some sort of uh, struggle or you know obstacle um, that you saw always in the way of success in a relationship. If you have any questions. On 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 those lines, feel free to ask them. That's why he's here, and the mic is in your hands, Miss Pam. <laughs> See if this if the uh, phone drops by anyway, I'll, I'll make sure I call you back because it looks like it's dying. But keep going. Okay. All right. Uh, um, yes, I um, actually um, my my fiance passed two and a half years ago, and I dated for a short time mm-hmm. after. For, uh, about a year and for a couple months, and it just didn't work for me. I mean, I just wasn't feeling it. And actually, I, I've chose to not even date for over a year now. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty um, capable of, you know, I don't have inhibitions about talking to my uh, significant other about sex. It's just. Right now, um, you know, I'm I'm doing me. You know, I, I'm really focused on, like I said last week. You know, I have some major goals that I want to achieve, and you know, um, I'm I'm fairly new to Arizona, where I where we moved in September, mm-hmm. and so you know, I, I've got a lot on my plate, and really am not even interested in dating right now. So I I, I don't know. I don't. You know, my my relationship with my fiancé was, he was my best friend, you know, and I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people forget that in a relationship that, 
significant other is not only your partner, but they they need to be your friend. And, right. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, sir, that God needs to be above all and everybody and everything with each person, and that will pull a couple together. You know, God's will is more powerful and, and more inspirational um, to any relationship, whether it be family, uh, partner, or, or you know, a friend, you know, uh, you know, it's taken me, you know, many years to to build a relationship with my my creator, and um, it's it's amazing. It's just amazing to me how much healing and love I I feel every day from my creator. And um, you know, if if the person comes along and it's time, you know, I'll probably date again. But um, you know, I'm really focused on my um, on doing my thing for a change, which. You know, I'm always focused on raising my kids and being a mother and working and, and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, and that's a lot. I mean, most people, most people don't. Um, uh, um, you know, first off, I just want to say I, I'm sorry for your loss, and and I know that um, I'm, I'm thankful that God is there and helping you heal from it because a lot of people don't take time to heal from it. It's a whole other thing to heal from somebody passing, but some people just don't take the time to let themselves heal from going from a relationship to the next thing. And it, it's very important because I, I, one of the things I've learned in my life, and I'm not that old, but I've learned that um, love is not something that's supposed to die. Exactly. So mm-hmm. means that. That's, that's powerful. And, and uh, Yeah, when you, when you love somebody. Uh, that love, you know, I've it had. continues forward. Yeah, well. Well, no, the, the love is different with every person. You know, I, I had a child that passed back in 1990. I still feel that love. You know, yeah. my mom passed in 2004. I still feel that love. Yeah, so, yeah. And and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. A lot of times people in a relationship, and, and like I said, with your instance, it's different because your fiancé passed away. But some people move from a relationship and say, okay, you know, the old saying is, well, you know, you get out of one relationship, get get back in another one. No, you need time. You need time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, a lot of That's, people that they they didn't their fiance didn't pass away. They may have had a breakup. They might have got divorced, and they go to move on, and they wonder why there's so many internal. We deny ourselves a lot, so I like to hear the fact when people say, "I'm getting you know me, God, my purpose, what I'm supposed to do." Especially if you're a mother or a parent, your, right. your children, Lord knows, they need all the love you can give them too. So it's very essential. This is one of the reasons I do talk about love and relationships so much is because a lot of times we think we can just dust our shoulders off and move on to the next relationship or dust our shoulders off and, okay, my kids will be fine, but I need to make sure um, I'm doing something for me, so I'm going to step into this relationship. No, there's a different, there's a, there's a love there that your children need, even if you have to pour everything into them. You know, it's, and we have to be replenished. And so it's it's a lot that goes into a relationship. So there's nothing wrong with taking time, whether whether the person's still around, whether you had divorce, you break up, you really need to take time and step back. And then, you know, I have my own my own things I tell people about just um restoration. A lot of times if people and that's another thing I believe, if a lot of times if people st- step back and really um found peace with their hearts and uh talk to their creator and talk to God and and pray and and you'd be surprised how many relationships would heal too. Exactly. Because most people I, just move on. 
or try to move on. Oh, it's been a year, it's been a month. It don't, you can't put a timeline on how long it takes for your heart to heal. Because once you love somebody, you've, you've let them into a deep place in you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you've, um, and if you love them right, <laughs> you've sacrificially given of yourself. Hopefully that, that same person. And it takes a while to learn that and learn what that means because love is a verb. You continuously do it. Even when you don't like the person, you're doing it. So <laughs> I don't like you right now, but I love you. You know, <laughs> but it's so it's very key. I'm sorry. You heard some heart, horrendous stories sometimes where people would be like, that, that person's like, oh, my, yeah, my husband's on crack. And, you know, he shot my dog and ran over my mother's foot. But, you know, I can't be around him. I love him, but I just can't be around him. You ever heard somebody say something like, <laughs> like I love that person? Well, because, I've even told my children when when they're doing something that I just do, I cannot co-sign on. You know, I love you, but I don't like what you're doing, and I'm not sure I but, like what you're doing. But I love you, and that's what love is. People forget. People don't realize that's how powerful love is. You don't have to always. And I think we get into a point now where a lot of people, if they don't like it or if, if I'm not happy or if I'm not feeling good at this point, I'm just going to step away from the relationship because obviously it ain't good for me. no. Put your grown-up pants on because sometimes you ain't going to like what's going on. That doesn't mean you stop your commitment to love this person. Your love may be the thing that takes them to the next level or you to the next level. So, yeah, take your time. I, I, I totally I feel you, you know, what you're doing is taking time for yeah, yourself, your family. Thank you. I just I see a lot of people and, you know, people I dearly care about even that get out of a relationship and they they move into another one so quick that all I can say is, man, I don't think you're putting God first, you know, in in your life or in a relationship. How can you go three days from a four to, after a four year relationship? Go three days moving with someone, and um, <clears throat> within months marry them. You know, it. it, it they think they're, they're. They think part of the hurt will go away if they mm-hmm. place. You can't replace. A person. A person is a specific individual created the way they are, and you can't replace how you love right. that trying to right. do love again. And might I interject? I believe they call that um, a rebound. Yeah. When <laughs> yes. Yeah. His, yeah. Love well, on the rebound. They call it rebound. because it's it's just you're trying to fill that void. It's not necessarily that you truly have a connection or that it's really love, but you're trying to satisfy a, a, a empty feeling or emptiness within. So you rebound right. and you settle for whatever comes. Funny, <laughs> oh, let me what? say this. Here's the funny thing about rebound. We're in basketball playoffs time. Any guys <laughs> right. watching the playoffs, we're in the playoffs. This rebound. The yes, funny thing about a rebound, <laughs> when you rebound the ball, Usually mm-hmm. it's one of two things you do with it. You're going to put it back up for a shot if you're on offense, if you rebound and you got a shot, or you're going to pass it usually if you're on defense or something like that. So what a rebound is, and I know some people just say it's a way to bounce back. Well, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to bounce back. If you bounce back, you're supposed to get back to the thing you bounced back from. That's what a rebound is. Uh, okay, okay so, that makes sense. So if, it's, if you're going to rebound, the first person you need to bounce back to is come back to yourself. Mm. Come back to yourself. That's Man. healing right there. If you're playing ball, one thing you do, unless you're going to throw that ball back up, when you grab a rebound down, if you're not paying close attention to what you just did, someone can slap that ball out of your hands and get it away mm. from you. You can get fouled. You mm-hmm. can get 
But you have to, as soon as you grab that ball, your intention has to be clear. The only mm-hmm. way you can do that is take in your thoughts and get back mm-hmm. to you. So if anybody's going to rebound, you really need to rebound back to the original place yourself first. Yeah, this person I'm talking about is someone really close to me, and I, and and it's a woman, and she, you know, she's younger than I am. But um, don't you say her name on the phone, no, <laughs> right? I'm not. Angie, we'll protect no, no. the identities. <laughs> on this stuff, yes. You don't have to. Yes, please don't. No, 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 no. <laughs> this person is right here. Right. Her life since she was, uh, you know, real young. And she has never spent any time to herself. And you know, mm-hmm. I just pray. I I really pray and 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 mm-hmm. talk. But it's it, it it is like an addiction almost to be in a relationship for some people. And yeah. it's very it's sometimes sometimes I one my point is that it goes beyond just rebounds. It goes right. into. Um, you know, self-worth and, you know, all the things that um, people use, you know, people use something, you know, whether it be drugs or people or money or whatever. People become so um, needy for that fix. Right. It, it, it becomes more than a rebound. Rebounds, I love your explanation of rebounds. I mean, I could go on forever on that. That's great. <laughs> you no. know? <laughs> that's that's it. I, I, I'm um, yeah. Keep praying for, her. keep praying for your friend, and and tell her that uh, one of the key things. Sorry, mm-hmm. I think the phone might be dying, but if the phone dies, I'll call you back. Um, okay. One of the key things is is this really taking time to get with yourself and uh, take time to like you like you're doing, taking time to get to yourself, get to things, and all of us have things that we could be doing. Art with that pain sometime of losing love or expectations of our love that didn't pan out. So just take time. And if people took more time to heal, it would be much better on everyone. Thank you. I appreciate that encouragement. Thank you. Good advice here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully everyone's writing these things down or um, you will be tuning in when I share the archive link which will be available tomorrow. Awesome. I'm waiting for to get my, my laptop back out of the shop so I can get in there and join some of these other groups and get into the archive and just listen to it because your shows are wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, I have to say again, I have to thank, give credit where credit is due, the feature artist on the panel tonight and the feature artists that I have had have been truly Great. Yeah. It's a real opportunity to open up, you know, thought and and, and discussion. And um, I love the the comedian uh, aspect of, you know, you know, making lightheartedness of it, not diminishing <clears throat> issues, but opening up a discussion and an awareness of things. I think that's wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. We have the um, co-host who has just joined us, and we have some other callers that they just waved and let me know. They'll be calling in soon. So, Troy, we want to say to you, if you can tarry for um, some more time, we definitely hope that you will. Yeah, I'm here. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Well, I want to introduce at this time the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show. This is Queen Zipporah Thelman. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. How is everyone doing tonight? We're doing good. How are you? I'm all right, too. (laughs) We have our feature artist, Troy Lance Rawlings, and he's um, helping us tonight to celebrate the muse of comedy. He is a stand-up comedian, and he resides in Burbank, California, but he's also a writer and a poet, and we haven't touched on that yet during the interview, and I definitely want him to share on how he, too, is a literary artist. He writes, and he is a published author. He has some published works that are available, and we do want all of the listening audience to be aware of how they can purchase his uh, books that are available online. And um, they're available in bookstores as well. So we have an artist who wears more than just the comedian or actor hat. He's also a writer, ladies and gentlemen, and a poet. And so we definitely want to experience some of that this evening. So, Troy, I'm going to invite you back and ask that you would share with everyone um, about the published books that you have that you are author of, which are currently available for us to purchase. And also, if you have a poem that you'd like to share, please feel free to share that and also share about writing in general and how passionate you are about your work as a literary artist because this show is entitled The Exceptional Scribble Show because it was originally designed as a platform for our literary artists, spoken word artists, so many that some are discovered, some are published, and some are open mic artists who are renowned, but not all. So it's that platform where they can be heard, listened to, discovered. They can master their craft. If they have questions about publishing, we have the co-host, Queen Zipporah Thalman. She usually starts the uh, free publishing tips hour. And, of course, during that hour, you are also an expert as a published author on this panel, and we want you to share what you know as well because we always have callers with questions that, you know, some of them have not yet become a published author, and they just want to know what things they need to do and in what order before they sign that contract and start paying that money. (laughs) So we don't want them to regret anything. We want them to do it right the first time because we know A lot of us have experienced it ourselves. If you miss something the first time, you're going to have to go back and resubmit. And sometimes that's more money. And whatever you lost the first time go around, you can't get it back. So we want to help people avoid those pitfalls. And at this time, Troy, I'm handing that mic to you so you can share with us about your published works and how we can purchase those works. And thank you. Uh, Fran, can I um I have some articles to read and I don't wanna, you know, cut the guest short, but can I just read like at least one or two of I have four all together and can I at least like read, you know, two of them before, you know, Troy starts because it's my hour? Oh, um well he's probably only how much time do you think it'll take yeah. Troy just to share 
your book titles and how they can purchase oh, oh, your books, is, and then we'll come following. back. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I had to call back because my phone died. But just, um, I definitely wanted to go on and um, do our piece as well. But oh, okay. I, just the um, just the relationshipcomedy.com. If they go to relationshipcomedy.com, you can see my books, uh, Butt Neck and Honest, Conversational Foreplay for Days, and my poetry book that uh, Francine was mentioning mentioning is um, 100 Words in 30 Nights, um, uh, Sensual Thoughts. And it's just, um, that's like everything from love poetry to just sensual thoughts. It's not all hot butt naked thoughts, but it's sensual thoughts. <laughs> so, okay. So, everything is, um, like I say, most of the stuff that I write, even a fiction book that I'm working on now is um, based on sex, love, relationships. And um, my first book was really based on dating. I wanted it to be funny, but it ended up being funny, but a, a good tool to help people with relationships. So if you go to relationshipcomedy.com, you can see the books. Excellent. Thanks so much, and I'm sharing that information right now. Thank you. To the feature artist, Troy Lance Rawlings, he will be returning, ladies and gentlemen, at this time. I'm passing the mic to Queen Zipporah Thelman, and she is the lead facilitator during the Publishing Tips Hour, which starts right now. Welcome back, Queen Zipporah. The mic is in your hands. All right. Thank you, Queen Fran. And tonight I am going to read articles from writersdigest.com, which I found to be very important and also connecting. So the first one article is six questions writers must answer when writing urban fantasy slash paranormal. And this is from April 25th, 2016. From the X-Files to the Dresden Files, popular culture is full of stories that mix science fiction and fantasy with the everyday. Creating a galactic empire for a space opera or a secondary world for a fantasy epic can present its own challenges. But when your story is half-rounded in a world we already know, you must decide which realities will hold fast and which can be bent or broken. Here are a few questions to ask yourself as you go about the task of, quote, world editing, end quote, in the early stages of an urban fantasy, paranormal, or near-future science story. This guest host is by Michelle, spelled M-I-S-H-E-L-L, Baker, author of Baker, author of Borderline, is a graduate of the Clarion Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers' Workshop, and her short stories have appeared in Daily Science Fiction, Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Redstone Science Fiction, and Electric Philosophy. She has a website at michellebaker.com and frequently tweets about writing, parenthood, mental health, and assorted geekery at, at Michelle Baker. Also one word. When she's not attending conventions or wild research adventures, she lives with her husband and children in Los Angeles. One, which real-world setting or settings do I know best? Your own neighborhood is often a good place to start. Choosing a setting because it's trendy or glamorous may be tempting, but nothing beats the ring of authenticity that comes from personal experience. Even if you think the town you live in or grew up is boring, grew up in, excuse me, is boring, it might be fascinating to someone who has never been there. You better, um, many other, you better than many other writers are equipped 
to find the most mysterious or surreal, which means bizarre things about your hometown and expand on them. More importantly, all those mundane details you're so familiar with can be crucial and grounding readers before you take them on a wild ride. Number two, what don't we know about my study? Even in a world constantly under smartphone and satellite surveillance, surveillance, there are plenty of unanswered questions, so this is your chance to come up with the wildest answers you can. Like this quote, click here to tweet and share it. Where does human inspiration come from? Was the universe created for some purpose? What makes two people fall in love? What happens after death? These and other perennially, perennially, which means lasting or existing for a long time, my unanswered questions create opportunities. Even in fiction, the educated public might scoff at supernatural explanations for diseases, weather, or the movement of the stars. But when it comes to life's most intractable, which means hard to control or deal with, difficult, stubborn questions, you have to free, you have freedom to provide creative answers without insulting readers' intelligence. Three, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what in my settings gets ignored or taken for granted? While life's biggest mysteries are the most obvious targets for world editing, Let's not forget to consider some of the small questions people neglect to ask because they think they know the answers. Take advantage of the, quote, monster under the bed, end quote, effect. Enigmas lurked in unwatched and unexamined places. That one house on the corner whose inhabitants you've never seen. Those weird symbols on money. The timing of traffic lights. The camera that's pointed at you right now. Number four, what are my readers already speculating about? Many readers try urban fantasy or near-future science fiction for the first time because they want to expand their imagination, but some of those potential fans may not yet be fully invested in the furthest reaches of make-believe. For this reason, radically innovative ideas are not always as successful in these subgenres as they might be in a secondary world epic or far future dystopia. While you will, of course, want a spark that is uniquely your own, don't be afraid to light the fire with a few solid, well-aged archetypes. A good, old-fashioned fairy tale, epidemic, vampire hunt, superhero caper, or alien first contact can ring, quote, true, end quote, for hesitant readers in a way that a wildly organized scenario may not. Familiarity bolsters acceptance, and so a classic legend or well-loved theory can make a helpful jumping-off point from reality. Five, Hmm. what real-world consequences will still be relevant? Remember to stay in touch with the things that drive us in reality. A job loss, relationship failure, or health crisis still matters even if aliens are invading. Electricity bills still have to be paid, where your protagonist will be decoding messages from elder gods in the dark. Reminding readers of your characters' mundane vulnerabilities can actually enhance the urgency of your story's supernatural elements because it forces them to examine the repercussions in ways that are personally relevant to them. Be sure that real life continues to tug at your characters' sleeves 
and that it keeps them from disappearing headfirst into the bazaar. Your readers will thank you. Six, what keeps the supernatural element from taking over? Last but not least, in the same way that real-life concerns should limit your character's ability to get lost in magic and weird science, there also needs to be limitations on the bazaar and its ability to consume all of reality. Is there something in Earth's environment that is toxic to your aliens? Is there a need for secrecy that keeps your superhero from simply taking over the world for its own good? Are vampires as afraid of us as we are of them? What allows most of your story's characters to go on living mundane lives when there's arcane or scientific chaos just around the corner? Be sure to carefully place limitations on any magic or technology that has the potential to run rampant through your story. Otherwise, you may find it very difficult to return to the status quo for book two. The end of this article. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what we're going to do is kind of um, we're going to seesaw back and forth because we still have our feature artist with us, Queen Zipporah, and because yeah. we're talking about publishing, he is experienced being a published author. We want to also give him opportunity as an expert on the panel to share with the listeners any information that ties in with what you shared. Now, in regards to the four four things that you just shared with our listening audience tonight, Queen Zipporah, uh-huh. which would you say specifically um, give us one theme that was, Parallel with all of the four things. Give us one theme all right, I based would say on all of what you shared, all of the four examples that you gave that we can start off with, with touching on and everyone will be contributing that's on this panel tonight. All right. I would say number six, the last one, what keeps the supernatural element from taking over? And it's... Um, it's the, uh, the statement where it says, be sure to carefully place limitations on any magic or technology that has the potential to run rampant through your story. Otherwise, you may find it very difficult to return to the status quo for book two. And the reason why I had, you know, chose this theme is because it makes sense. If you have something, because um, in other words, if you don't have those limitations, then your story has ended. Now, say that last part again, and you kind of started saying it in a fast pace. Oh, sorry. So it made it a little difficult to process, but if you can just take your time and restate your last statement, the very end part, that would be helpful to our listening audience. I want to make sure everyone gets the gist of what's being said. All right. If you don't have limitations, then your story has ended. Now, that's an interesting concept. If you don't have limitations, mm-hmm. then your story has ended? Yeah. Okay. We're going to touch, we're going to talk about that at this time. I'm going to um, pass the mic to the feature artist and we'll gain his insight on that statement. And um, welcome back, Mr. Rawlings, Troy Lance Rawlings, everyone. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on a different phone. I've been, I've been changed three phones in this one interview. 
<laughs> Three times a charm. That's a good thing. It's not bad. <laughs> Just had to say that. The <laughs> name is Zipporah. Yes. Yes, Zipporah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good information. It's like like um, practice. Now, what you said that that was interesting. What you said. You said if you don't have limitations on your story, if you don't have limitations, your story is ended. Yeah, if you don't have limitations and your story has ended. I mean, has that in you that is a part of, um, um, because I'm thinking, you know, I'm, always, I'm thinking in like even the, even the, the fictional or non-fiction state in writing and also in screenwriting, you know, the fact that you can have, um, the fact that I, I, would, I would think that the more you could think and let your imagination carry your story, the further it will go. Mm-hmm. You think there should be some kind of limitations in how far you take your story? or what? All right. Well, let me give an example of that. Right? I write urban fantasy. And so mm-hmm. my, yeah, so my, and it's crossed over with mythology. And right. My first, right. So in my first novel, which um, I'm unpublished, I'm trying to get traditionally published. Mm-hmm. And what I had written is that one of the magics that I had used, you know, for the uh, for these uh, six objects, and I had to put a limitation on them in order for it to, uh, in order for it to, uh, you know, for the story to continue. Because oh, you're talking about the part of the the fantasy realm of of yeah. like the science fiction or the yeah, what's your urban, yeah, yeah, with the urban, uh, yeah, with the urban fantasy. No, right. Okay. You. You, you're talking about more. I don't know. If it's not. I don't know if it's vampires or mythology or whatever it is or whatever. Whatever you're dealing with. If it. Mm-hmm. If it I, I understand because it isn't a state when you're dealing with magic, fantasy, or science fiction, something like that. Yeah. If you don't put limitations on it, it can kind of you kind of lose lose track of where you're going. Yeah. In other words, you have to have that balance. Yeah. I, I get it now. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because that is true. You have to you have to have something if you're writing fantasy. It's funny because um, one of my, my uncles is a heavy reader into science fiction. I used to ask him, you know, it's nothing for him to sit down and read those science fiction books that are like 800 pages. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what is a what is it, Uncle Arthur, that you really get about? It? He said some of them are written well, but some of them they just they're just too far fetched. Mm-hmm. And I realized what in that is what I'm taking that you're saying. You wanna you have to have it grounded enough for someone to feel like they have a place to read your book and not so far gone as like, okay, I, I don't I don't know where they're going with this. Right. You see you know, in other words like we're we're writing and say it's all right to be resort and weird, but you wanna the important thing about stories is that they connect. And that's one mm-hmm. of the hardest things that, you know, I had to find out, you know, learn myself because when I'm writing an idea Mostly they tell me where they belong, but then the others I just have to write needs more work and because I have to figure out the chapter and the character, you know, for it, you know, fitting, you know, according to the character's behavior. Right. That makes perfect sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. Yeah, and so when I was, uh, you know, when I was writing, you know, my first novel and I do have, you know, the whole magic elements and all, and when I, you know, the six objects that I had mentioned, you know, it's going to have an, um, it had to have an effect, you know, on it, 
And I found that effect that it was like the opposite. And that's what my story, you know, is about, about how, you know, evil was created, you know, it was created from its opposite, but through, you know, mental disorders. And we just needed to uh, um, heighten or increase your volume for the right. listeners, uh, Queen Zipporah, because right. your voice is kind of, um, it's. we can right. hear you, but it's a very soft, voice, and I don't want it's anyone to not... It's being real central for us, which is... I don't want anyone to miss any of what you're saying, because it's all important. All right, yeah. I didn't hear what um, Troy was saying, because he was breaking up, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you, but just still, you know, like, echoing. Oh, it's, it might be... Uh, can you hear if you're, Yeah, I can hear you now. But if you're okay. able to come on speaker, you know, maybe they are, are you able to? Uh, let me see if I can get back on speaker. I'm on speaker. Is it better if I'm on speaker or regular? Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe it's better if you're on regular because the speaker has you <laughs> going in and out. Girl, before, you're playing with me now, girl. Playing with my emotions. What? I don't know you. <laughs> you're telling me one thing and taking me the other way. Let's get back to this relationship thing. That's the problem, though. <laughs> back to the relationship because <laughs> really, I mean, it's all about communication. So I'm trying to help him out. I'm saying because if you sound bad on one, try the other. I was say a problem. She tries to have something bad now. I'm there is a solution here. I'm I'm hearing if it sounds bad on one end, then try the other end. And then I'm hearing the man voice and the man saying the male saying, um, now you're you're taking me in too many directions, so to to get clarity on this, we understand the female and the male. We're you know, like the saying, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> so we gotta find a happy medium tonight. So it's always good to have an example. We have a real life situation that has surfaced on the program. So <laughs> How can we establish the the even uh, lines and, and tones here where we all can communicate and, and there is no uh, interruption? How can we? Well, do the man this? usually has a. I, I shut up for a minute and uh, just let. <laughs> once I shut up, it usually all evens out, and then I just listen. <laughs> but we need you to speak. We don't want you to shut up. No, 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 I don't no, want no, to shut up right now. No, thank you. No, no, that's that's funny because because it's it's we jokingly talking about it, but a lot of times, um, just um, something as simple as what the poet was saying early in the conversation, when it was like, man, what I thought if I'm writing something and I have more options, I can do more writing. I can more I expand my imagination when I'm writing. The mm-hmm. deeper my story can be, but that's in my realm of fiction, my realm of nonfiction. I don't write fantasy. And I mean um fantasy as far as fantasy, science fiction, mystical mythology, mythological stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In that realm she made perfect sense when I asked her the question she explained it again. Where somebody that came in on a conversation might have been like, Oh, that sounds kind of you know, because that's how initially when she said it, I was like, Oh, and I had to think of what she was talking about, the type of writing. But something as simple as that is just taking time. You know, a relationship technique that a guy um, uh, 
taught us a while back. It was when you're having a conversation with your mate, um, especially men and women opposite sex, you're talking and getting to the point of argument or not understanding each other, it's good for one of them to stop and say, okay, what did you hear me say? Because mm-hmm. usually n- yeah. nine times out of ten, what they heard you say and what you were trying to say weren't the same mm-hmm. thing. Not the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. And what happens is that's where a lot of misunderstandings come in place. It's like, what did you hear me say? Well, I heard you say I was stupid. What did you say? I, didn't say, I said what you did seemed stupid to me. <laughs> See, it's the I didn't say you were stupid. Differently. You're very intelligent. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it seems stupid to me because I couldn't understand it. Maybe I'm stupid, baby. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't what you did. Maybe it's just my stupidness. <laughs> uh, hey, it's it, it's gotta be a matter of what we hear. Right. We we hear what we. A lot of times we have selective hearing. Uh, sometimes yeah. we have our own, you know, concept. And we get a mental block because our perception gets in the way. I, yes. I perceived you didn't think that I was smart. I perceived you thought I was dumb. So, therefore, when you said, <laughs> made that when statement you said, right away, my mind said, he's it calling me dumb. back from my childhood, <laughs> right? And, and you, know, you know what's funny? Um, I, I talk in my book about pain bodies and triggers. And mm. I used to, I heard that, um, 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 a friend of mine mentioned that, and I think she said her mother mentioned it. It was from another book and some other author. I'm not the first person to mention pain bodies and triggers. But a lot of times we receive knowledge or we hear things from a point of pain. And um, anytime – is that somebody exploding? Somebody sneezing? Oh, I hear a dog, I, I, a dog, I think, like a in dog. the background. Oh. I'll just a dog. I have okay. four dogs. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'm just muting your mic for a moment just so the um, sound does not uh, overpower the speakers that are now currently speaking. Thank you. Cool. But, but yeah, it's um, you mentioned something about perception. And can you, can mm-hmm. you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Mention something about perception. And what's, what's so powerful about perception is that Whatever a person perceives is is law to them, is truth and is gospel to them. So a lot of times we find ourselves getting into arguments or back and forth with people, especially people with opposite sex and our mates and stuff, because we're trying to change something that they perceive as true versus just understanding where they're coming from and trying to see if they understand where we're coming from. And then, you know, it's... Because that's what everybody, everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. So the problem mm-hmm. in an in a, arguments occur when a couple of things. Arguments mostly occur when there's a miscommunication, mm-hmm. when there's a disagreement, or um, when someone's trying to defend their point you. Mm-hmm or get somebody else to change their point of view. It's defending their point of view to the point where you're trying to get somebody else to change. One of the things I've learned is just get a little older and get a little wiser, you cannot change a person's point of view. Mm-mm. That's not your job. You can, you can try, but that's, that's usually called manipulation. 
you can get them to understand where you're coming from. And and that understanding, if they care about you, then they'll take time to be um, be kind. A lot of the attributes that I think most people try to – there's a <clears> – I think it's First Corinthians 13 that talks about um, the attributes of love in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the best definition for love I've ever seen, and especially when it comes to love being a verb and doing it because it says love is patient, kind, doesn't hold on to wrongdoings. If you took those three attributes of what it said and tried to work on that daily, I mean, how many of us, when we have a point to make, are really kind with our mate? Mm. How many of us take time to not hold on to wrongdoings? Well, you did this, then no. Well, you did this. You know, when you come back and tell somebody mm-hmm. what they did because they're bringing up something you did, you're bringing up something that you've been holding on to anyway. Well, let me keep this here because if they come at me with that left, I'm going to hit them with this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come next. You know, That's their tit for tat, right? That's tit for tat. And, I and have to confess right now <laughs> because we're on that subject matter. Mm-hmm. I have learned being with my spouse, and he brought it to my attention. He said one time, and I did the tit-for-tat thing, and he said, wait a minute, I have to bring something to your attention. You always do tit-for-tat, and I didn't realize I was doing tit-for-tat. He said, when I'm bringing up something that you're doing, we need to focus on that which I'm bringing up at that time, so that it can be resolved. If you're bringing up something that I did while I'm trying to bring something to your attention that you're doing, then that's making the situation never resolved and we're not able to communicate. And I didn't see, actually, that I was at fault in doing that. Mm-hmm. And I was it was a thing of, okay, he would say, um, wow. I can't get a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, well, I tried to make a comment the other day when you had asked a question, and then you went on and you said I was taking too long. Mm-hmm. And so the issue that he was bringing up was what was present, mm-hmm. something right. that happened the day before I should have made mention of at that time it happened. Right. So that was showing me sometimes we're anxious to just focus on something that annoys us when someone's trying to bring to our attention something that we're doing that annoys them. So you have to pull back. And so that's something I had to realize about myself that that was getting in the way when issues should be addressed that I'm doing. So it is a matter of humbling yourself and realizing that, at that moment when someone's being courteous, because that's exactly what it is, to let you know this is something that you did, and that really, you know, that offended me. Bother me. Right. Hear, yeah. hear them. That's the time to listen. It's not the yeah. time to respond like, oh, ouch, ooh, what? Oh, well, and wait it's a minute. You did you know something what? You know, last week. Yeah. Uh, We're so used to fight instead of um, working it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a fight or flight thing. It's either, oh, let me defend myself or I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing, um, I'm being transparent as I can right now, too, the hardest thing for me was to get that point 
and I was doing this thing at one of the hardest times. I was like, 14 days, there's 14 things, we're going to do 14 days of this Love Supreme Challenge. We're going to take each day and do one of them. And to be patient, be kind, long-suffering, don't hold on to wrongdoing, don't brag and boast and all the, all the things that love is supposed to be. But that don't hold on to wrongdoing thing is one of the things that in my, me personally, I believe everybody has a, something they deal with, but me personally, um, getting and learning to, to be um, as, as perfect as I can in that area as far as, mm-hmm. because the one, the one way you don't hold in, on to it is when you're in a position where you feel it coming up because you're offended by something someone is telling you. And you're like, inside you're like, oh, the pot calling the kettle pitch black. And you just that stupid. <laughs> and you just yes. ready. It's on the tip of your tongue. Yes. Like, Did yeah, you just forget perfect. what happened to me? No. Like, let's get the boxing gloves. Let's get the gloves you know, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that trigger. It's that triggering. And uh right. the poor. And, uh, and you don't know that you're doing it. It's like I remember in Elizabeth Kostova's The Swan Thief where the main character told his mom that he had wanted to be a therapist, and she said, uh-huh. everybody needs somebody to talk to. Well, uh-huh. see, the, um, that's, um, the problem with that is that you don't know what and what not to talk about that's going to offend people. You know, when you say, you know, when the topic, you know, triggers them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because you, that's you just... true. When you yeah, when you're dealing with when you're dealing with the person you love, this love thing. Like I think people are meant to be married for a lifetime to that one person because it's going to take you a lifetime to learn how to love to learn. one person. It can it's take like, you a lifetime to love one person yeah, because they're going to change. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. like, you evolve. That's right. Yeah, uh, nothing like, stays the same. Right? Is yeah. like a yeah? It's like with the animal wolf. You know, the wolf, a wolf takes a mate for life, and then when that mate dies, it remains single. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, wait a minute. <laughs> I think now. That's part of the wolf. You know what's funny? We're getting, That's part of the wolf you don't hear we're about. We always hear about the wolf. wolf what is it? The canine species. No, we always hear about the wolf species. and she's clothing, but you don't hear about that trait. That's, I know that's about that. That's true. <laughs> Queens of Pura, please repeat that, because I don't think many of us knew uh, that. All right, the animal wolf, you know, takes a mate for life, and when that mate dies, it remains single. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and wolves are chronicles very, tonight, are ladies very... and gentlemen. Please write that down, listening audience. <laughs> you just heard it live tonight on the Accepting Civil Show first time. I have a deeper respect for wolves now. I did not know <laughs> that. <laughs> They're better than we are, right, to a certain extent with that regard. I mean, we get married, what they say, three times a charm. And some of us, was it was a teller, five, six times. Um, <laughs> it happens, right, human nature. We just keep trying to get it right. It's, it's, we, we, on, and, I, and I say this, and I'm not, and let me make sure I'm saying, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes, we do. Let me make sure I'm not saying this, and like you say, you don't want to be offensive. Something, and that's why I use comedy. That's why comedy meets relationship comedy is so yeah. cool. And I, you know, love is a funny thing. Let's laugh about it because people can get so offended, and 
if they think somebody's a therapist. I'm not a therapist. I'm a comedian. You know, I, yeah, I know some stuff just because I've been doing it for a while and I write some books and I get some revelation and I got a little knowledge. And But mm-hmm. people are going to do what they want to do. But I think the thing we have to respect about love and the power of love is that love is something that takes every part of our being. And when we break up or have a breakup or something crazy happened, a divorce or somebody passed away, a lot of times we want to relive the feeling and that want of being loved, but you really have to give your heart and your mind and your, your soul a chance to heal because mm-hmm. mm. you don't stop loving people because they did you wrong. You just don't stop loving people because they're not there anymore. You just don't stop loving people because you don't like them. And mm-hmm. you, and if we take time to heal, our relationships would heal. We have a lot of punk kids getting into marriages and stuff, and in our generation, punks get into marriages and stuff and quit mm-hmm. soon think it hard and get into the next one because we never saw anybody work it out. Mm-hmm. If we didn't see our parents work through some stuff, we ain't going to work through no stuff. You know, some people have it. Some people came from the fourth households and they're doing great. They just hold it down. But we we not that stick to itness. What mm-hmm. happened to it? You know, yeah, you know what, Troy, this is Queens of Florida and in my viewpoint about, you know, like people sticking together in marriage has to be, you know, um, here's several things. One is that, you know, being getting adjusted to being with that same person, you know, for life. And then, you know, the second thing, you know, is that everybody has different, you know, behaviors. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that person, you know, the, the person becomes bored. You know, people, be two married people become bored with each other. You Did know, you like, say bored? Yeah. Bored. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure I was hearing yeah. the correct word. Yeah, you're correct, yeah. They're bored with each other, and then they go seeking out, you know, new people, that new behavior. Mm. Yeah. You know what's so funny about that? New. I noticed the word new was repeated. They are seeking out. New, a new relationship, a new experience, thinking that a new person can possibly satisfy them and, and just, aside from what they haven't already received. Interesting. You know so, right. You know what's so funny about that is the fact that we'll commit to a job for 30 years. Mm-hmm. We'll commit to playing the same sport most of our lives. That's true. We'll commit, to, we'll commit to a sports team and be fans of it. We'll mm-hmm. drink the, we'll drink the same wine, mm-hmm. eat the same foods, have the same favorite food, have the same favorite color. It's not the fact that there isn't something new with this person because most people throughout their lives tend to go back to the same people anyway. That's true, too. Yes, we're, indeed. We're, 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 usually, we're usually creatures of habit anyway. People can try to, when it comes to the, and, and mind you, marriage is not for everyone. Everyone is not going to be a person that commits right. and, and holds on to the, the essence of commitment. And, mm-hmm. But it is a powerful thing that shapes families and shapes our society when people decide to and do it. And there's a lot of people out there that want to be married just haven't found the right person or whatever. That's, you know, that's just part of the process. But there are some mm-hmm. people that are married, and like you said, they're seeking something new because they're tired. But somebody mentioned something years he ago. He said, bored. Like, <laughs> like, bored. Whoa. But that, 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 
you can that find you... a hobby or something. That that word bored that really threw me off because I'm like, well, maybe they're bored because they're not really doing anything for themselves what? that's self satisfying, such as a hobby, yeah. a passion, that's exactly or, it. you know. That's exactly it. If if when you're bored, usually <laughs> when a person says I'm bored, like if you see something, I'm just bored. It's usually because they're sitting on their tail, not doing nothing. <laughs> so if you get your behind up. <laughs> and do something. You know, there are so many. Here's the thing. We'll read about finances. We'll read mm-hmm. about fashion. We'll read about um, stuff that tickles our fancy and different <laughs> books. And we'll look, at, we'll, look at, and we'll look at all kinds of stuff on TV. But we won't pick up a book on relationships. We won't pick up a book on establishing new practices and new things with our mate or our husband or our wife. we having problems in the bedroom, and nobody's picking up a book about sex. And there's millions of books about sex. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's always something, not just books and movies and things, places to go and things to do. If you ain't got any money, you can take a walk. Ain't nobody walking. That's true. That's true. I saw this old couple in the park here in California. I was like, how long have y'all been together? They've been together like 47 or 52 years, something. Hey, he's like, mm-hmm. I like being around. And said, this is our usual, every Sunday, we come to the park, we sit down, we do, you know, those things, as you get older, you you start to cherish the things that you have that are standards. That's oh, right. every Sunday we're going over here to the park. We're doing this and we can do that and we travel here, we travel there. So people are bored because they want, especially nowadays, people are really bored because they want to be bored. It's just finding somebody <laughs> that's willing to grow with you. You know what I'm saying? It's finding somebody mm-hmm. that's willing to grow with you and do that. And the reason that's I say that key. is because yes, it, indeed. It's, it's hurting our children. Like the children don't mm. have a fabric of what family is. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you really study about the wolf, one of the reasons the wolf do that, because wolves are very mindful of family and their That's surroundings right. and their pack. They're very That's mindful true. of taking family. care of their, their yes. They're very mindful of taking care of their The pups. wolf. That's right. Yes, indeed. So that, that's one of the reasons that they don't, they, they say, look, if, if I lose my mate, I still got to raise these, these puppies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to learn something from the wolf. If I lose my mate, I got to raise these puppies. You ain't heard no guy say that lady. He was like, oh, man, what's, what's going on, brother? He's like, yeah, me and my girl got separated, but, you know, I got to raise these kids. It's the loyalty. The wolf, it, it definitely demonstrates uh, loyalty. You know, you just don't abandon. You don't. You don't abandon your pack. You don't abandon your offspring, what comes from you is you. You know, you're connected. Mm. We're all connected. Yes. Come on. That family tie. But they <laughs> the song Don't Let That Circle Break with the the um the, um Let the Circle Be Unbroken. Yeah, if I mm-hmm. know the Yeah, the family. Mhm. Yeah. You gotta keep it keep it together. And I think there are some traditions from like I'm just referring now to Africa, referring to right. um, the the land of the nativity of most blacks um, in America and the world, and those that are descendants of the African diaspora spread throughout the earth. Um, that was one of the strong bases of the community, family, love of family, respect of uh, your 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 mother, knowing that was the womb in which you were carried, respect for your father, knowing he's the one that is the seed carrier. 
and and you know the lawgiver pretty much. So if we can get back to family, I think with resolving a lot of the social ills that we're seeing in society and especially in relationships, being able to overcome a lot of the struggles that many encounter in relationships. If you remember family and keep in mind that family is first and and love of family should be hallowed and highly regarded and that should be your your center. You know, because everything else branches from that. Even in our relationships out of our families, if we can always refer back to the love that we knew from our childhood, you know, that we experience in that circle of family, it helps us in other relationships in life. Friendships, marriages, everything else. Even business partnerships and it, it all inter it all interconnects. And, you know, Queen Fran is Queen Zippor. And another thing that I want to mention about, like, with, you know, problems in relationships is that it's a lot of work, you know, especially yeah. like a marriage, like cooking, cleaning, you know, that sort of thing, all that goes with it. Oh, you meant you mentioned the real work. <laughs> I thought you just meant relating to the person. Like a yeah, lot she of work. said cooking cook, and cleaning. Clean. I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, oh, She's making the list. You're right. <laughs> I'm cooking and cleaning. He's telling us you ain't been cooking, you ain't been cleaning. What is you really doing out here, people? <laughs> I'm like, oh. yeah, I'm getting ready to dust some things after I get off this show tonight after that, Queen Zephora. <laughs> You getting ready to do what now? I'm getting ready to do some dusting after I get off this show tonight. After you done read me my rights. You ain't been cleaning. You ain't been. You on the phone talking, putting a finger on it. Oh, this is this thing like, is a little dusty. I can't have to on it, bro. <laughs> but that's no, good. That's good. real talk right there. We we stop working. We stop investing. Mm-hmm. In our homes and in our our families and and in our relationships. I mean, look, go away every month, go away somewhere, even if it's just a weekend, even if you're just in the hotel a weekend away from everything, the hustle and the bustle. Couples yeah. need to have that alone time. Um, me and my husband every every Thursday, everybody knows. Up, oh, don't call them Thursday. That's their date night. You try to get it, it two days a week, but you know sometimes you just can't get it that like that. But <laughs> you have established that. And how long have you and Sam been married now? We are now embanking on our 16th year this June. I love it. June 24th, it. and we consider ourselves blessed. Um, yeah. We've had our trials, our tribulations, and we are the total opposites. Now, I did not marry my twin. He did not marry his twin. Right. So we had challenges every day. He drinks coffee, right. I drink tea. So <laughs> love is the only thing that keeps us. But you know what? We really like each other, too. I have to say this. I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I love, but I don't like. We like each yeah. other. We're we're, we're opposites, but we like. And I think liking each other makes us really want to help each other out and work through, you know, the kinks. And, and I think that matters, too. Here's, you know, you got to like each other, too. Let me, I'm let not me saying say like everything. I'm... I mean, you know, he snores. I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Put it I out there on live. All the time. When we first got buried, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> oh like, why are you waking me up? I was like, you snoring. I thought you wasn't breathing right. And he's like, 
Please don't. That's do exactly it. why people snore. That's that's exactly why people snore. Right. <laughs> no strips. Are you alive, baby? He's like, stop waking me up. You wake but me up. But now, if I don't hear him snoring, it's like I got to check oh, on him. Is he okay? This <laughs> <laughs> is hard to stop. So you you do you grow together you learn how to like and live and love even love love grows even love grows yes yes yeah and, and that's the thing it keeps the thing and one of the things that that I hear from I'm like too and heard Steve say it about his current marriage and some other people um, come back to the center of you both a lot of times we we're used to reaching outside of our relationship to get advice from other people. So mm. when something when something bad or ups and downs, because everybody, when I start talking to people about their relationships and realize that everybody pretty much goes through the same thing, I don't care what what faith, what um, right. they are, what, what um, culture they are, they go through some of the same stuff, some stuff a little more heated than others, but to realize the people that successfully navigated successfully through those things, really focused mm-hmm. on communicating back with themselves before they let other people into their relationship and trying to get other people's advice. Because when other people know your stuff, somebody in the midst of that, especially if they're not in a good relationship, they're going to say, well, why don't you just leave? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. look at who's yeah. saying that. Nine times out of ten, the people that say, why don't you just leave, are not in a happy relationship. Yeah. Or they're right. not hearing anybody that hears one side of the relationship and say, why don't you just leave, mm-hmm. um, they're not really good friends. And if I look at my good friends, when I went through certain things and ups and downs in my relationship and things like that, the good friends, no matter what you decide to do, they're still your friends for one. And they'll also tell you, that, look, everybody goes through that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you look at your core friends, the good thing about me, most of, most of my really close friends, uh, male friends especially, are married and they, have the, and they take care of their children. Right. And I don't have any deadbeat dad friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it depends on who you're around as well, who's giving you knowledge, who you're, good, feed, good. who you're feeding off of, you know, who's helping you. You know, because even my life, what does this have to do with comedy? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Troy, this is Queens of Four, and uh, you had just reminded me of, uh, I have this book, it's called, it's nonfiction, it's called Love Prescription, and in the War Between Black Men and Women, by Dr. Jeffrey Gard, let's see, Mayor Pair there, John Jeffrey Gardner, and he had in there, and this is a reality, and there was about this engaged couple. I think her name is Antoine and Ch- um, Chantel. I think her name mm-hmm. was. But anyway, Antoine was um, was ready to you know, settle down and all. And so Chantel, you know, was getting cold feet from time to time. Every time he tried to set the date, but she just didn't trust him because, you know, she was looking at him. He was a black man, and women would want him like white on rice. And every time he come to pick her up, you know, from work or take her to lunch house, you know, she hear like the women of the drool and et cetera. And so she had, like, you know, her cheerleading squad. And so it wasn't funny. But, you know, they wound up breaking up because, you know, she just, you know, like couldn't, like, trust herself. And so he trusts him. So he wound up married to her so-called best friend who was Whoa. heavily chanting, <laughs> chanting into Chantel's ear that black men couldn't be faithful. And looking at that, I looked at it is this, is that, you know, the so-called best friend of one mm-hmm. and for herself. That's why. Well, you, know, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember when I was talking early in the beginning of the conversation, um, 
but I remember I said the first thing that happened that made me say I needed to make this book tour into a form. Oh, can you guys hear me good? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Very so, good. Thank uh, you. The first thing that I said that, that made me realize I need to make this book tour into a form was when I heard a woman asking, a woman was asking me questions that I thought they talked to other women about. Mm-hmm. And I realized you wouldn't tell your girlfriend if, and I'm going to be explicit because this is adult hour because it's actually mm-hmm. not, uh, you wouldn't tell, because this was the topic she was talking about, you wouldn't tell your girlfriend if your man got home and you went down and tried to please him and he stopped you mm-hmm. because you probably were embarrassed about it and you didn't want her to come out of my mouth and say, well, girl, maybe you need to do this technique. I was like, wait a second, baby, that's not what I'm saying. He stopped, <laughs> he stopped me. I wondered if maybe he stopped me. Is he cheating? You know, the first thing a lot of women think when their man doesn't want to have sex because he's a man, and usually that is the thing that works, supposedly, is that he's cheating, and that's not it. And I realized that, And oh, that's well, not it, or that's maybe 85% not it? <laughs> it's, it's usually not it. Oh, okay. Not not just 85% not it is 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 good, but I would say 90% not it. And unless you're having oh, if okay. you're having a bunch of problems, but if all of a sudden <clears throat> your man gets home from work and you try to do something and he stops you, and that's a first. Don't think that he's cheating is the first thing. Mm-hmm. He's probably had a bad day at work. Right, right. Now if you're I having love how problems you... before that. Yes, I love and how you phrase it. If he's come home from work, because I think a lot of times as women, if we're not careful, we can forget. Now, he has to work or de- yes, yes, he's got to de-escalate from the escalation of all of work, whatever work threw at him. So we I'm, need to mm-hmm. give him, you know, that time, that alone time, I'm, I'm, that, mm-hmm. his time. Mm-hmm. Right. I mentioned it I mentioned it earlier, I didn't go into the folder of it, but when the when our mothers and our grandmothers used to say, Don't bother your father, don't bother your mm-hmm. grandfather when he get home, let him <laughs> remember the men used to get home and they would either go to the bathroom, go mm-hmm. to the bed, take off their shoes, go to the side of bed for a while, and be in the bathroom for an hour, be inside of bed for a while, or get in front of the T V, get in a chair and kind of sit back and relax. That's mm-hmm. a part of our deprogramming. Mm-hmm. Anything true. that happens in the midst they say most of the arguments happen when a man, and it's different nowadays because women work the same hours men do. <laughs> so you got her getting home and him right. getting home at the same time, or sometimes she getting home Unless after him. Some, yeah, some have different schedules. Some have different schedules, right. So it, it's kind of weird now, the um, the different things. But if there's a if there is a sense of certain things, both of the people are usually stressed already because they're working, they're breaking their necks for the dollar. There's a lot of bases of family, and, and here's another thing. I'm gonna get on this because we we're in uh, it's it's 9:59 your time, 6:59. It's it's my early my time. It's happy hour, and it's and it's almost 10 o'clock y'all time. Say mm-hmm. this. Um, folks, stop holding back sex from your mate when you're mad at them. <laughs> and I say this, and I, I love how you said folks. Yeah, folks, everybody. We're not. You know, all yeah, we're folks. not putting it on one gender. No, and, not talking about women. Yeah, or, I men love do it that. Too. Very yeah, non-biased. I love it. Yeah, yeah, men do it too. So, and I say this because of this, because that's where it opens the door for people to go outside of the relationship to have sex with somebody else. Here's, if you don't know the use, the proper use of something, you will misuse it. Misuse, mm-hmm. you know, abnormal use of something is abuse. Mm-hmm. 
I'm glad you said abnormal use of something as abuse. We have people that are not having sex with their partners because they're finding pleasuring themselves with a toy or a sex instrument. They feel they're getting all the satisfaction that way, and then when it's time for them to be with their partner, they're like, well, I'm already satisfied. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. And their partner now, is trying now, to figure out, I, well, wait a minute, why no aren't we? With using it with your partner. Yeah. But like if some you're are, using that instead of your partner, yeah, that's mm-hmm. wrong. That's where, like you said, overuse. And you can yeah. overuse. Abuse. Some abnormal, people may not. Abnormal use. Yeah, abnormal, abnormal I'm use. sorry. Abnormal right. use, yes. And there's a oh, reason yes. I say this. Because I want to explain that. Because a lot mm-hmm, of times exactly. people, yeah, a lot of times, uh, the reason I say that is because a lot of times people don't know, um, if you don't know the core reason something was created, you don't mm-hmm. know that. There's two reasons, in my opinion. There's two reasons that sex is, there's two functions, main functions of sex. One is to have babies. The second one is to draw two people closer together. That's, That's right. why a lot of times when people put a question in the bucket, they say, well, why can't I just have a friend with benefits and nobody catch feelings? Because if you're having sex and it's good and you keep having sex, that means you're going to catch feelings because that's what sex mm-hmm. do, baby. You're going to have pillow <laughs> so, talk, so you're going to get real intimate with that person. You're going to somebody going to catch feelings. You're going to be outside of my the emotions job. getting involved. <laughs> yeah, why is he coming to my job every day? He's hanging outside my job. He's outside my door. Yes, because the <laughs> sex is good and sex is doing what it do. <laughs> now, there's so, a difference between, now we got we to gotta touch on this, because some are stalking the other par- party. Every yeah, time exactly they turn around, they at the cleaners, that person's popping up. They're with yes. their girlfriends, that person is popping up. Yes. I mean, there's a line. What's that song? There's a thin line between love and hate. There's yes, also a thin line between stalking that, and passion, you, too. We need right, to know the difference. You, obsession, I'm right. sorry, obsession and passion. <laughs> right, but the key thing is, understand where this started. If you have <laughs> sex with this person, Right. And all of a sudden they become, they start stalking you. That's a part of sex. So you don't oh understand. If you're not committed to the, yeah, if you're not committed that to the. That just sounds so, I'm just like well, lion listen, yeah, and, 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 and deer. Listen to what I'm saying. Hear me what I'm saying. Because if you're having sex with somebody that you're not committed to, and they start going overboard with wanting to be committed or wanting to be in your space, don't call them crazy. Remember, sex has two functions, to have baby and to draw people closer together. So if you knock mm. people and you tan it up and it's good and you wonder why this person is so, is she not crazy? He not crazy? Sex is just doing what it do. So, so that's the evidence married, that you're sexing them and they're sexing, sexing so you this, and you are. <laughs> hear me out. If, if, if you are in a marriage mm-hmm. and and you start and you're having issues or you think you're having problems or there's something going on and it's not medical or anything like that, and you say, well, I'm going to withhold sex from them until I feel better, what you are doing is putting yourself closer to divorce. Mm. That's why when you go to counseling, the first thing they ask you, one of the first things, well, how's your sex life? Mm-hmm. Because they know if you stop having sex with this person, then we got a lot more to deal with. But if you're still having sex, then good, you're still connected some way. So that's why 
I'm big on people. That's why I talk so much about sex in my form, and it's so adult because I'm trying to get people out because people will be upset with each other, and especially women. When women, like I, I had a show, and this was at a mostly Christian-based show. This wasn't my raw and cut show. This is raw and cut. This is actually the show I did my DVD in San Diego, but this mm. is raw and cut live, but it was a clean show. But this was a deacon and his wife, beautiful wife, fine Latino sister. She had a little wine in her. And she started saying, yeah, we, you know, he always at the church. He need to be up at this church. I was like, oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah, this one makes the show good. She was like, <laughs> and she started getting open about it. He was like, oh, here she goes. She's always boisterous. And she was talking. And then I asked her a question. I was like, well, well, was he passionate before with you? You say you want to have sex every night. Was he passionate before? And she said, yeah. I said, when did it stop? And he, and at first he wasn't talking. And he looked at her and said, yeah, when did it stop? Because he knew. He knew in his head what she had done that oh. pissed him off, upset him, whatever it was. And I went there. I said, look, I said, there's something. If all of a sudden y'all had a great sexual relationship, there's one thing if one person was shy and y'all had to build up to wherever the comfort level was of y'all having sex. But if y'all couldn't keep your hands off each other, and then all of a sudden it gets to the point outside of work schedules and getting older and all that stuff that you don't really have sex. You go from having sex three, four times a week, twice a day, to having it once a month. What happened? Mm. Because what remember, happened? that's a tool. That's a, sex is a tool, especially if you're married. Because the people ain't married got it, usually got it together. They're going to try to have as much sex as they can. But people who are married aren't having sex. I hear you. And, and they can push the dates around. Oh, how much you have sex? Oh, Every time you can say how much you have sex, and oh, maybe once a month, next time I have sex. If you say something like that and you're married, beware. Mm. Outside of something medical going on. Because people don't know the use of something. If you once you know the the use of something, and and you say, okay, we having these issues. I heard I heard a minister say one time in the pulpit, uh, guy, and I got to mention his name because he, you know, he, I remember he said it was Ralph Dennis in Baltimore, Maryland. But he he was talking about how him and his wife, we have our have our, you call them heated fellowships, whatever. We arguing, we getting ready to go to bed, and uh, we get in the bed, I drink at night, and she take at night, and I go to. Uh, Squeeze a little bit, and she snatched away. He said, oh, don't keep my stuff away from me now. <laughs> he said, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I fell out. This was years ago, and I still remember that. He said, no, 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 it ain't that bad. Don't don't go to bed that upset. And, you know, because if, it's one thing to be upset, and you have to, you have that time when you say, I don't want to sleep with you. I don't want to sleep in the couch and stuff like that. But try not to get there. Mm-hmm. If it has to go there because it's so heated and stuff like that and y'all got to figure it out, that's cool. Women, everything does not need to be discussed right at that moment. This is something I, I, I joke about, but it's it's funny. I joke about it and make fun of it, but this is, I mean, a man is going to be a man eventually. If you are good at arguing and good at wordplay and going off and all of a sudden he says, he puts his hand up and says, look, I, that's it, that's it. He's not cutting you off. He's telling you he can't take anything else mentally right now. His mm-hmm. mind is consumed, and, he's, and he can't think straight. When a man can't think straight, he gets frustrated. When a man is frustrated, he gets violent. Mm. It is the nature of a man. The nature and of when a man. you attack him after he puts his hands, hands up is a form of surrender. So when a man puts his hands up and says, look, girl, Keisha, mm-hmm. that's it now, <laughs> and, and you keep going at him, 
you have crossed the line from a mate that's arguing to an enemy. Mm. Now if you follow him and you're arguing, you're attacking him. So now it's a war. So now so it becomes, becomes a war. I joke about it on my DVD. I say, this girl's up. I'm arguing him. He's going to walk away. I'm done following him. What you do after that? I followed him. He went into the bathroom. What you do after that? I went in the bathroom mm. with him. You know what he did? I said, I could guess. He's all swinging me. Yeah, you know why? Because <laughs> you've attacked him. And if he doesn't have the filter to say, don't hit this woman, mm-hmm. don't swing at her, she don't know, you keep attacking a man, he's going to be a man. If he say that's it for now, let it go. Because he's probably just saying, I can't think right now. Let me think it out. That's why guys come back two, three days later in the argument. He's like, you know what, baby? You was right the other day. And you're like, okay. what are you talking about? You knew exactly what he was talking about. But he took him that long to process everything that happened especially when he gets so mad because no one can make you madder than the closest person closer to you, closest to you because they got their heart. Interesting. We have a caller from the U.S. Virgin Islands. I'm going to welcome them. And, and, and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, nice Hi. I'm jealous at whoever's in the Virgin Islands right now. <laughs> Hello, U.S. Virgin Islands caller. Elder Skysky Rio, are you there? Hello. Sipping rum. Okay, we might have a little, a little. Uh, sometimes we have connectivity issues, but um, Skysky, whenever you can, we're inviting you to join us in the call. We definitely want to hear your input, <laughs> and as always, we appreciate you uh, tuning in. Yes. You know, I, this is Queen Zipporah, and I just want to say, like, this whole conversation where Tori was saying about people withholding sex, right? It, it reminds me of the play Liz Estrada, where that's what the women did to keep the men from going to war. They held hostage the treasury, and they stopped having sex with their husbands. Oh, right. Mm. That's the one they based, um, they based Chirac on, uh, Spike mm-hmm. Lee's movie. What did you say? Spike Lee based Chirac on a part of that um that whole thing. Spike Lee's movie Chirac is based a lot on that. The women withheld sex to try to get the guys to stop fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really on that concept too. We have to keep in mind our bodies when when you're in a relationship. And I guess some people maybe they don't see things in this regard. But when you're in a relationship, we're talking about a man and a woman in a relationship. And you're pursuing intimacy. Keep in mind that very act ties you and that other partner together as one. Right. You're actually coming together. You and they are coming together. So there's an exchange. There's a piece of you that they're getting or gaining and a piece of them that you're getting or gaining. So there's an exchange that takes place, and it's it's called a soul tie. Whether you you knew this prior to becoming sexually intimate with another person or not, you and that person literally become as one soul, meaning you will find you're thinking of them when you're normally not thinking of them, when you're normally just thinking for yourself. You're thinking of that person. It matters to you that you hear from them every day. It matters that you see them and that you're near them and that you're with them and that you're doing things with them. So with that being said, beware 
Because if you're not ready for that kind of an exchange and deposit in your life, you need not become intimate with another soul, with another person. You need to wait, hold yourself in reserve. There's a word, celibate, (laughs) until you know you're ready because it's a commitment whether you go through with the ceremony part, you know, the the um, pomp and circumstance of having a ceremony and it's a, made official that you and this Mr. and Miss so-and-so are now being, um, you know, wedded, lawfully wedded. Listen, right. the act itself, in, in the olden days, when you did that and they became aware that you did that, they used to have what's called a shotgun wedding. <laughs> And the reason why they had the shotgun wedding was because they understood principle. This person and that woman, they are always going to somehow find their way back together. They're tied for life. And especially if he got her pregnant. That was it. Shotgun wedding, you're marrying my daughter. Uh (laughs) That was it. That's right. Is that deep. And I think a lot of times because nowadays they're not really teaching that part. They're teaching the science about the sperm and the egg. You go to class, you know, biology, the sperm fertilizes egg. There's a million sperm, but one in that million sperm fertilizes that egg. And then there's the gestation process. The sad thing is they don't don't get a chance to teach. Uh, most schools, unless you're going to a faith-based school, they're not teaching anything about spirit and soul. Mm-hmm. You know, this reminds science. me. Yeah, you know, this is Forrest Elmer, and this reminds me of Angela's ashes by Frank McCourt, and that was when he when he was uh, every time um, when his siblings was born, he was hmm. told that the angel on the seventh step had bought it, and when he had, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and it's not funny when he found out about sex. What happened, he was at the library, and he came across, the, you know, about the subject in a Chinese book. It was a forbidden Chinese book. And he was, uh, when he read about it, he, you know, and we say something about his imagination, all the mothers and fathers doing this act. And unfortunately, the librarian saw him reading his book and thought that he needed, you know, help with, you know, something. And when she saw it, she put him out of the library. Huh. So there we go, Miss Education. Mm-hmm. Or just if we're not properly taught at home, I believe it starts at home. Mothers are the first right. teachers. Mm-hmm. Parents in the home environment is the first school, actually. As for right. socialization, they learn about life and how right. to adapt to society and what those social mores are and the things we should know to do when we are interacting with other people. If we don't get it at home first, we don't have that early start, then all we're going to know is what we're getting in school or from our friends Mm -hmm. or on the street, unfortunately. And I think the parents need to keep that in mind, and reinforcement is so very important. And we, you know, it takes a village. You can't just say, okay, their mother and their father dropped the ball. If that's your family or if that's your neighbor, we got to get back to community. What does community mean? Everybody that is within reach of that child that has some sort of connection with that child, neighbor, 
um, whether you're the, the, you know, you're the block captain or whatever, you have times when you can communicate with that child, filter the true knowledge into their minds about right. the things that they need to know and how they can make it in this world and be successful. And, yes, you know, we all make mistakes. Okay, you had a baby out of wedlock. All right, well, this is what you need to do. Now go about life in this regard, and you'll be able to Pour some bring back and still fulfill whatever your mission or your goal is and your dream is, and that baby will be an asset and not, you know, there something you, you look at and say, well, this was a mistake. That's, But it's a taught, learned behavior. We have to be careful of the things we're saying when we're interacting with our youth and perception. They're going by what they see us saying or doing. If we're showing them things that they look at as, okay, they're critical, you know, by the words we're choosing when we're communicating with them or how we're interacting with them, then we're pushing them away, and they're going to go where they feel safe. And sometimes that might mean the street. That might mean the arms of someone that we're trying to convince them to not be in a relationship with. So we need to really be a little more tactful of the dialogue that we're having when we're trying to help other people. Remember, in the, um, hey, you know, in the beginning I, of the... Com- I'm sorry. All right, here's the question I have is that, all right, with the whole intimacy part, right, well, what Troy has said about people, two people that go apart, but then they come, they're eventually going to come back together, but how the people can, you know, have sex with somebody that they're not committed to and then they never see each other again? I mean, that's not what I had wanted to ask, but it was on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you asked the question and you said that's not what you wanted to ask? Yeah, well, let me get together and say, when you said that when the whole stalking part, because sex brings people together, but mm-hmm. uncommitted people, you know, have sex and all, but then they don't, you know, they don't see each other again, then sex is not working. No, no, it's not that. I was saying oh, you're saying the, the sex also. didn't work mm-hmm. because they chose to go their separate ways, I don't see it in in the light of it didn't work. I think that person may not be in a relationship with that other person, but a part of them was deposited when they had that act. Some of his sperm went into her. Some of her went into him. And mentally and emotionally, they exchanged. You know, they deposited within each other. Even if they choose, they want to lead separate lives, and especially if a child comes into the world, there's always going to be that tie and that bond between those two people. Right. And let me say this. Let me say this. Um, We have free will. So I'm talking about the fact that people that try to – when I mentioned that, I was talking about people that tried to say, like in my form – I have questions like, um, can do you think you can have a friend with benefits or, you yeah, know, that's just what a I want. yeah, friend. the friend with benefits. And there are, and, right. And, and the reason I say that, the reason I said that about the stalking piece is because I heard people ask that. Well, why are they doing this and why they kind of jokingly saying it because it's almost flattering. Say the person got crazy and this, that, and the other. I talked about my DVD. This girl didn't have sex with a guy. She went out with this guy, and he came to her job, and, it, you know, it was, just, it was, it was funny because I made, I made light of it. But what I was doing is that, um, like Francine mentioned earlier, you have to be mindful how much of yourself 
you give over to someone mm-hmm. and how much of yourself you reveal because you bring that person into your space, your being. It's not saying that the sex doesn't work if somebody moves on and they go separate ways. They have free will. You don't have to – I'm talking about people that continuously have sex with the same people and wonder why the other person is catching feelings. It was like because mm-hmm. y'all are continuously doing something that's meant to make you catch feelings. I, that's what I'm talking about, the abnormal use of something. If you don't know what sex does, then you don't come back and get upset. It's like, I don't understand why this girl acting – especially with guys and girls. Girls get it the worst because this dude become a stalker. And then all of a sudden, you see some lightning outside your window, and you think, yeah, oh, my Lord, that's Leroy. Like, girl, what's wrong with you? No, nothing. I'm sorry. Lock the door. <laughs> but the guys would be like, man, this girl catching all these feelings and stuff. Yeah, of course. You know, back in, way back in the day, biblical days, it was a blood covenant the mm-hmm. first time you had sex with somebody. So it was a covenant that was made like every other covenant and said, okay, you two are attached. You, you have a blood covenant with this person. Y'all are attached. Y'all are family. And if you go on to have family, there you go. So a lot of times, a lot of the, it's just going out of the way of realizing what, you know, the initial purpose. Yes, sex feels good, stuff like that. But if you know the power of sex and the power Mm -hmm. of love. Now, love, the power of love is so, is, is, makes sex look like a little romper room story. Because people don't realize how powerful love is to the point where, they try to cover their heartache by jumping into another relationship. But that's, that's a whole right, thing. Right, right. Use it as therapy. They, actually, mm-hmm. and I've heard it said, it's, it's therapy sex. Right. Where they truly, you know, are engaging in sex. That's the sex somebody else. Them, it's, it's, somebody else as quick as they what can. was that song, Marvin Gaye, uh, Sexual Healing? Because it makes sexual you forget healing. about the pain that yep. you're experiencing in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to some of these love ballads, these R and B the classics, the classics. That's why that's it really why testifies to why we do the things we do, yeah. like we do it. That's why There's I a don't like it. That's, that's why I'm so upset with. That's why I'm so upset with where music is today because the lyrics back in the day were like, "Yes, I get it now," and most mm-hmm. of the love songs are written by guys. <laughs> Most of the hardcore, <laughs> all these groups, they have five. That's true, right? You can count on you can count on one hand how many groups had like five women, but you have a group with five guys <laughs> up there. That is the truth. In oh here, my goodness! In my chair, <laughs> waiting on. Uh, <laughs> so real but I mean it's yes and I've never really thought about that but you're telling the truth you can count mm-hmm. on one hand as far as like female groups that really just sung about that how many mm-hmm. is it no the men it was the men mostly that's right 18 songs about love they love <laughs> OJ she used to be my girl that's <laughs> right <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Everybody, break away from the song and start singing. Harold Melvin on the Blue Note. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Philadelphia. Oh, this is the sounds of Philadelphia. If I went through the sounds of Philadelphia groups alone. I know, right? <laughs> Philly, Philly Motown was strong back then. Oh, my goodness. But it was about and, and love. It was about relationships. Love and relationships. Yeah, that's yes. what we want to hear more. 
good music about, you know, to encourage the couples because there are still people that believe in love. Yes. And we have to fight for it. Yes. We have and to the fight. sex that you don't have to feel bad about the next morning. <laughs> if, you, if you open yourself up, that's a whole number thing. Oh, Why did I do this? And don't get me wrong. Sexual urges is a is a it's a natural thing to have sexual urges. So it's not I'm not I'm not knocking the natural cusp of it. I'm just saying people do themselves a better off if if they know. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. and women as they get older, women and men as they get older, you hear because I heard her talk about it. It's like, yeah, shorty, want me to come over there, but man, I don't feel like dealing with all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. They're not talking about the sex. Yeah, you know, I can go over there, but I don't feel like it. They're talking about as soon as both of these people reach the point of climax and you look at that person, they be like, so what you going to do later? Oh, nothing. Yeah, I got nothing to talk about and nothing in common. Or they go back to the conversation and say, remember what I was saying earlier? Was such and such was getting on my nerves. And now I was like, remember that? He's like, oh, man. Right, now you're bad more nonsense. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> this is the part I forgot about. I was horny, and it made me forget why I didn't want to see you. Mm. <laughs> so be careful, yeah. Now, but, but we like touched I said, on I, a lot. I think we covered a lot of ter- territory. But one thing, um, I, I've heard people say this in reference to when you have sexual intercourse and you don't really want to be connected on a long-term basis with your partner, that's when most men will use a condom. Hmm. They want the gratification and the pleasure, but they don't want their sperm going inside of the woman because that exchange will tie oh, them. I thought it was sort. not wanting to get somebody pregnant or not wanting to get a disease. I better <laughs> <put the> condoms. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, I, I I'm really speaking for a certain percentage because so. I've heard it said. You know, and they say when you... Yeah, when hey, you don't, hey, this yeah. is a joke. I'm, I, this is not a joke, but it did happen in one of my shows. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I talked to a guy because I, I talked about this in conversation foreplay. I was like, if you text, because nowadays you texting somebody, if you meet somebody, people meet them, they date and they see them on Facebook, they see them on IG, they see all this stuff, and they're attracted to the person, and they start texting, sometimes sexting, flirting, and then by the time you meet them. You're all hot and heavy and don't have a lot to talk about. So mm. I was I was saying, well, if you got that far when you meet somebody you have maybe y'all should go have coffee or something and start asking based questions like, Hey, um, you got any sexually transmitted diseases I need to know about? <laughs> I said this during one of my shows and a guy who was managing a R and B artist, a popular R and B group, he was mm-hmm. in there. He's like, No, you don't have nothing like that. Now mind you. Most of the time in my show, it's about 90% women. And his wife was one of the women who were there. Okay. He's like, no, you don't ask somebody nothing like that. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if, if you're going to be serious with them, yeah, but if you're just meeting them and just meeting them to hook up or something, you don't ask them nothing like that. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, let me get this straight. If you're just going to hook up with this person you just met, you don't want to know if they had a sexually transmitted disease. He said, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I said, if you just and I, <laughs> If you just met somebody and you're going to hook up with them, you don't want to know if they got a sexually transmitted disease. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to slow it down because maybe not here. Right, but right. I realize, yeah. <laughs> I realize people feel the opposite of what I wrote the book about. But naked and honest, I wrote the book like, I'm like, look, the first time you meet somebody, you ain't got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. If y'all can decide from jump if y'all want to deal with each other, shouldn't you ask everything up front? There's certain questions people ask later on in relationships that break their relationships up. Mm-hmm. And I said, why not ask all that stuff up front, especially when it comes to – now, mind you, I had, a, I had a scenario where I had a girl who I was involved with sexually who we realized we were just going to be friends, and we became great friends, um, told me later, I don't know if it was months or a year, whatever, that she had herpes mm-hmm. after I had had sex with her, protected sex, but after I had sex with her. Now, I, she didn't transfer it over to me, and when she broke it down to me, I thought she was going to tell me she had AIDS. I didn't know what she was going to say. But when she told mm. me, I was like, all right. And then I got off the phone, I was like, wait a second now. <laughs> so I called her back when she felt low. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, I know you're upset and everything, but um, don't you think you should have told me this before we had sex? Mm-hmm. She was like, well, I hadn't had any breakouts and, you know, the herpes. I said, yeah, but ain't herpes something you carry around like luggage? <laughs> don't you keep that the rest of your life? It's some, I mean, because the misconception was, but it made me study deeper in certain things. Misconception was, oh, if I'm not having a breakout, I can't pass it on. And that's not true. Right. And you should always let your partner know about, you know, this. I, I, I mean, when we did the radio show, when we first started the radio show um, years ago, back almost you know, 16 years ago now, we dealt with everything on the radio. And, and human papilloma virus was just mm-hmm. really coming out. People just heard that about is, HPV. Oh, my goodness. And and it's yeah. things like, you know, undetectable, don't know if they have it unless something happens, and, it, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. But you should be that open with somebody. It's like we push the we push everything forward, and we move it so fast, and then you don't take time to say, hey, 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 hey uh, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> and what that did is made me do I told somebody else that, and I had a scenario happen to me more than once where someone thought just because they had an experience of whatever or a breakout or whatever, they, and, and the other person told me because I told him about the other person. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, look, I got to start asking this question honestly More, right. <laughs> from the door. If if we go in there, and this was somebody who was in a relationship at the time, but it strained our relationship. And I'm still good friends with this person, but it strained our relationship because I felt um, it, it just did something to the trust of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and then at the time, I wasn't as mature as I am now. <laughs> it really becomes something that you hold against that person. Like I say, one of those wrongdoings that you keep in your mind that, okay, right. this person did this now wrong. Now I'm going to ask you something only because we're on the air, and I'm sure we uh-huh. have some young people listening, and I'm going to right. follow up with some medical information. Now, after learning that this person did have the herpes virus, did you get tested? Yeah, I, I, get, I mm-hmm. get tested on a regular basis to this day. But and and key things you have to learn about the herpes virus, like any other herpes, is a little different. You have to specifically ask for that test because mm-hmm. usually, if the herpes virus isn't, if you don't have an outbreak, it's usually hard for them to detect it. It won't come up in a normal blood test. So it's, right. it's a certain blood test that. you have to get. Yeah, yeah, it's a certain blood test you have to get, and that's why. And people don't don't understand that even about it. HIV is something different now. They swab in mouths, they can do whatever, but you still mm-hmm. have to request. Um, That's right. Certain blood tests. Most people get their blood work done. It's like, no, the doctor didn't tell me everything. I was like, you have to realize that the doctor doesn't just do HIV tests. Mm-hmm. If you're giving blood, they do. 
But a doctor is not required to give you an HIV test or STD test if you don't ask. So, and most people get away from that. And, you know, coming from Baltimore, D.C. area, you know, the, the sexually transmitted disease rates that they pronounce and, and do all the centers for disease control, all that stuff, they, they're supposed to be ridiculous. But, yeah, I think a lot of that comes from, if they are true, because you never know nowadays, but it, I think a lot of that comes from people's ignorance on mm-hmm. how they should be tested, but also the men, that mentality of, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you hear people that are older, like people that are 50 or, you know, people that are 50 or 60, it's like, no, I'm fine. Right, exactly, exactly. Like they're immune to it because they're older and they've been living all these years on this planet and never had Mm -hmm. a sexually transmitted disease. No, (laughs) it's it's not age discriminated. (laughs) Yeah, because one of the highest rates at one point in time were Mm -hmm. in the were in the old folks' homes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you had you had not only old folks that was having sex with old folks, but you had old guys and. We were paying for sex with young girls. With the younger, oh, that's, right? That's my daughter. Promiscuous. That's my niece. Let us be. That's my granddaughter. <laughs> Description. You got your granddaughter coming in there. You giving us thanks for the money, granddad. Like, mm-hmm. granddad? Oh yeah. We got like fifteen granddaughters who came here in the last two months. <laughs> you know that's not. See you later, baby. That's, that's a disgrace. I'm dis- that's a disgusted disgrace. <laughs> hey. But, you know, we've hey. got to touch on this, and I want to thank you, Toy, because we do educate on this platform. That's also one of our key missions for this radio broadcast. And I do want to share some fact information because I know we have some young listeners as well as older ones. Um, for women that may not be aware of this, sperm can live up to five days within your body. Hmm? Up to five days. If you have mm-hmm. unprotected sex, even a few days before your partner ovulates. Now, this is for the males to to be aware of this as well. If you have unprotected sex, even a few days before your partner ovulates, there is a chance of achieving a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I share this with a serious tone because we're still finding today there are a lot of unwanted pregnancies. And I do believe that if people are knowledgeable of ways to prevent unwanted pregnancies, then maybe we can resolve that issue in the community because the numbers are still too high. Right. Right. So So I just wanted to share that. And one more thing I didn't share correctly. It takes just one sperm, of course we know this, to fertilize an egg and achieve a pregnancy, but for each sperm that reaches and fertilizes an egg, there are millions that don't. The average ejaculation contains close to 100 million sperm, and this is facts according to the World Health Organization. I thought it was 1 million, close to 100 million. That's more than what I I was aware of. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought it was was like 100,000. You know, I'm a little off. Now, you know, men who have... 100 million. Yes, 100 million. And men who have fewer than 20 million sperm, we know some men have a lower sperm count than others, per milliliter of semen may be at risk for having infertility issues. So if a man has 20 million sperm per milliliter... Now, we're here in 20 million. We're thinking, wow, well, shouldn't that be good enough? 
<laughs> well, I'm going to leave that so alone. Many, yeah, yeah. But it's just very interesting. I just think sometimes these kinds of discussions, years ago I was told the dinner tables also included these kinds of types of discussions. Families would talk about these things. But now we're in the microwave era, microwave generation, fast food, you know, people grabbing a meal and running out the door. You just don't have the family sitting together and eating like we once saw. And so we're losing that generation. They're not gaining that value of the importance of family time, coming together, having family talks around the dinner table. And I think it's you're most vulnerable when you're eating. If you want to get strong, important, significant messages relayed and you want to convey them in an environment that will be considered, oh, this is a safe zone, have dinner and then right, discuss right. the matter. People put their guards down. It just happens. <laughs> right. You're right. Naturally, you just put your right. guards down. You just get real comfortable, you know? And the then that's when you slap it. I mean, you know, that. be tactful, but that's when you're slapping on them. Slapping on them. Yeah, you got them in a good place then. They can't run. Usually they won't. That's right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But um, I, let me check and see. U.S. Virgin Islands, do we still have you on the call? Hello, U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay. It's showing the line yeah. is open, but we're not getting response, so we'll just leave it open. Nice. Oh. And what is the, what is the uh, well, I guess everybody that's uh, called in already in on the line, is there another way they can listen? Or they, are, they might yeah, listen to the website. Yeah, we, we do have some there in the chat room, mostly just taking information, so I'll type and strong points that are made, different quotes by you. Anybody has any questions they want to just anonymously put out or anything like that? We can we can do a we can do a taboo teaser. Yeah, and I liked how you brought out when people come to your tours that you have that jar and they can write oh, yeah. down things and remain anonymous. You yeah. go to that mm-hmm. jar and then you you know answer those questions. I think and that's I wonderful. Couples, I usually tell couples. If they're together, write two separate things and don't let their mate see it, which mm-hmm. makes it really interesting too. Because you're like, oh, "What you write?" Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, "No, don't let them see it," because I want you to write something that you may be thinking about. Because a lot of times, people you ask them that, and one of them already know what they want to ask. Because either they were arguing in the car, something they mm-hmm. thought about before, you know, they already know what they want to ask. But I don't want you two to show each other your questions. I had a, I did a show in York, Pennsylvania recently, and oh, a shout out. Because I'm taking the uh, the tour will be in Baltimore for the summer. The summer series will be in Baltimore. I have my first uh, uh, showcase show in New York and Brooklyn, July 20th. Uh, but all the dates, all my dates and everything, like I said, relationshipcomedy.com, relationshipcomedy.com. You get all my dates. And also I have something on relationshipcomedy.com that's kind of like, you know, Dear Abby, you can put your questions in, send them to me, uh, and it is send the question to me. I'll change the names to protect the innocent and put mm-hmm. the answer in the question up, and you can see the answer, and I send it to you as well. So it's like a Dear Abby type thing, but more instant. <laughs> and I do a thing on Instagram where I say answers in 15 seconds so people can send me a question, and 
I'll answer it in a quick video, 15-second video with little, little – sometimes people don't want a long answer. They just want something, something simple. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 um, one of the recent ones, I talked about uh, somebody had something in there and said, how can I introduce um, – how can I introduce sex toys to my to my mate without him getting offended? And I was like, for one, don't put them in the drawer and hide them like it's a gun. Because mm. <laughs> he going through your drawer to find something. All of a sudden, he pull out something that looked like a, a Magnum 45. He's like, what is that? <laughs> it seemed like he found, he, found, he found somebody you was cheating on. What is that? You ain't the right You know, so it's... <laughs> He pull out something like that, he might get a little offended. But I said, you got to – and I broke something down because we were joking about it. It was funny. It was fun. But I also mentioned to the men, I said, guys, you got to realize about 70% of women don't have orgasms vaginally. They're not having vaginal orgasms. They may have clitoral. That's why they have their toys or whatever, but they're not having, you know, so if you're trying to please your mate in that area, you really need to talk to her, know your mate. That's another reason why it takes mm-hmm. time to know your mate because sometimes some women, you can blow in their head like, oh, what are <laughs> <laughs> But some of them, some of them, you got to take off work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to let me go ahead and, and uh, I'm going to call in sick tomorrow because I know what's about to happen. <laughs> but but it's knowing your mate and I and for the women that did use sex toys and stuff like that I mentioned I was like okay is that because my shows get open what happens is once you create an atmosphere where people feel like they can ask you anything and you're not judging them they get open so I was like how many women in here and this is my last show I did uh, recently in York Pennsylvania I was like how many women in here how just quickly how how long does it take you if you're masturbating or using a uh a toy or sex toy instrument or power drill whatever you uh how many of y'all how long does it take you to reach orgasm? And women, I said, just tell us numbers. And they were like, two minutes, three minutes. I said, okay. So if she can make herself reach orgasm in two minutes, three minutes, stuff like that, and you're taking forever, don't y'all have to have a conversation? Mm, that's right. <laughs> don't y'all have to? If she knows exactly, you gotta what, going, have a exactly what to do, <laughs> you got to. <laughs> You better go in there and have a conversation with her, especially if she's not doing it with power tools. If she's doing it with her hand, you really got to go talk to her. What is, what, all right, baby, what are you doing? This your woman. Go talk. What, mm-hmm. so what exactly are you doing? Turn these lights on. Let's get these lights on. I'm a, what, I need a flashlight? All right, let me get a, let me get a shoehorn and figure out. <laughs> and out I love what, what you wrong. said because a lot of times it's the foreplay that's, in right. absence, people just want to go home. They just want to hit a home, run and slide on <laughs> hit in. A home run. Yeah, and slide on in <laughs> home, you know, home base. But you've got to have that foreplay, and sometimes it, it's also the the talking, you know, the yeah. sexual talking first, and like you were saying, blowing in the ear or whatever. <laughs> hey, but all those things. The conversation while she's at work. Right. You know, she likes right. she likes flowers. You know. I talked to so many men that have some of the biggest arguments over flowers, and mm. I went through something in my own relationship with that scenario because not respecting the fact that she equated flowers to my love for her. And women, mind you, as I, I, I reach back in the scripture sometimes because it has some good stuff in there, but it's funny because 
a lot of the stuff that talks about women obey men and submit to your husband, a lot of people don't like that. In Ephesians 5 and 33, it says one thing. It says, husband, love your wives as you love yourself. Wives, mm-hmm. respect your husband. It does not tell the wife to love a husband. Because most women are already in a loving nature. It's a divine nature for women to love. But it tells her to respect him. Now, both of these things are, are supposed to be unconditional, not, well, if he earns it or if he <laughs> earns my love. Right, right, putting the condition on. No, they're supposed to be unconditional. Right. So all of a sudden she said, well, I can't respect him because he's not doing this. Well, that's not the ticket, baby. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. cycle causes a lot of issues. But for him, for the man, it's really key on, because very seldom you'll hear a woman say something like, well, you know, I just feel like he doesn't respect me. No, it's, I feel like he doesn't love me. Everything is equated to love usually. With him, I feel like she doesn't respect me, the way she talks <laughs> to me, the way she deals with me. It's about respect. So mm, very seldom you hear a guy say my wife don't love me. Mm-hmm. That's so true. It's, it's, in dealing with those things, it helps the communication of the two people again. And the biggest thing for women, we have to be mindful, fellas, when we hear a woman say, I, you stopped doing that and I felt like you didn't love me, she's serious. That's, she equates everything to love. So we have to be more kind and more, more sensitive to those things. At the same time, women... Um, how are you respecting your husband? Have you told him, I love what you're doing for that. I love the way you hold it down. I, thank you for doing this. Thank you for trying. Thank you for whatever. I really respect you. I care about you. You know, you're, you're the man. You're the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you're the man. You know, even if he's struggling with something, you'd be surprised. I tell women all the time, I said, you have the most powerful tool in the world in your mouth. And it's not just a sad, that tongue, boy, you... You can lift a man up to be the king he's going to be or make him feel like the dirt of the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know what? Hey, this is before. And uh, I want to figure out where are women supposed to stereotype that women are supposed to be weak? Females are supposed to be weak. <laughs> you said weak? Yeah. W-E-A-K, yeah. You said somebody said women are weak? Well, It's like the stereotype that females the are stere- weak. I think they get it back from the King James Bible about the woman being the weaker vessel because she was tempted first. I mean, just snake, in, a, in a physical nature, uh, if they're talking just about a physical nature, yeah, a lot of times women are uh, a bit weaker than men in the physical nature. But in women and men are kind of made to work year-round. We don't have some of the issues. We're not getting pregnant. We don't have some of the female issues that a woman has. But if you just talk about that, I don't uh, – and and I could, and that could be a whole another conversation for me because I I think a lot of times I like the fact that women are feminine and men are masculine and I think the misconception of those roles being smeared like it's something wrong with a woman being feminine mm. and if we had more women stepping into their femininity and more men stepping in the more the more feminine a woman is the more masculine a man will be. When people talk about chivalry not being in place and certain things that are crazy and going haywire, I really think that women should be more womanly. And somebody might be like, well, what do you mean by that? A woman should be a woman. I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm saying if you created to be a wonderful creature as a woman is, um, be every essence of a woman. You can be a woman bodybuilder. You want to be strong and you want to be a woman bodybuilder that owns 15 businesses and make more money than every man? We got women doing that. No, nothing wrong with that. 
but you still embrace your femininity. Your woman, your, your femininity, because mm-hmm. we need that. Don't it's compromise the nature, it. It's I the agree nature with of that. keeping the earth, it keeps the earth going. You know, but if you look and say, oh, these men are, you, you cannot say men are being weak if you're not being a woman. Mm, I don't ever want to hear another woman saying a man is being weak or he's not doing what a man should do if a woman's not supposedly just being a woman. Mm, Oh, he he needs mm -hmm. to be a man. Well, what does that mean? And who taught him that those Mm, are aspects of being a man? Okay. That's right. So so it's a a very delicate situation because I understand um, where people are coming from, but where does that leave you in the grand scheme of things? When it's because I don't mind, I don't mind any woman being a strong, independent woman. But I tell you, also something I've never heard. I've never heard somebody say, "Man, she's a strong, independent white woman." Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah, I don't hear that either. And I'm on the yeah, east coast. Uh, yeah. You're on the west coast, so it's not being said then. No, 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 no reason to. But yeah, let me let me break something down. Reason to. Uh-huh. Let me break something down to you though. Mm-hmm. And this is deep. And I think about this because this is some of the you know, I'm from Baltimore. So mm-hmm. we were and my, my girl Malika Tamu Cooper that has dreads and heads and her mother was a griot, um a wonderful sister and we had a thing of like, What is up with all these men getting rich, all these black men getting rich and going out there getting these white women and and they were talking about, Well, I think it's just they just get what they want because they rich and I was like, Well, I said, Let me let me break something down. I'm playing a little devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. You got a guy that um, if he's not going to an inner city school, he may go to some of the best schools because they know he's a sports athlete or whatever, whatever genre it is. And he gets around um, these different people, different women, different cultures, and he's accepted in a different cultures, different lights. And he didn't come up maybe the way we came up in a in Southwest Philly. In Baltimore, wherever, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of, the majority, you know, 80, 70, 80% black people in the areas we were at. And um, he goes up, he um, goes to school with different races, goes to college with different races, gets into a major league or major business, mm-hmm. and he's going to meetings and stuff. And the higher he goes up, the less, mm-hmm. um, the more mm-hmm. diverse it is, less inner city like we would see it. Right, you know, right. You see that. And if you and let alone the temptations that go along with it, you know, you go into the game, they in the garage, you get mm-hmm. to the locker room, they outside the locker room somehow. Uh That's you get right. to the hotel staying in stay in the hotel <laughs> lobby. Mm-hmm. Get in the elevator in the elevator. You get outside the room, they outside the room, get in your room, guess who's in the bed. Mm-hmm. In the closet I heard. Some of them were in, in the, the closet closet. for them to come you know, in the room. How did they get past Everybody, Hello? you know, so Hello? but the thing, uh-huh. Hello? Oh, oh, yeah. Good night. Good night. Oh. Greetings. Greetings. Yes. Hi, Virgin Allen. Virgin Allen, welcome. <laughs> we were waiting yeah, for you yeah. to arrive. We know your plane yeah. was delayed about yeah, an hour yeah. or so, but we kept calling out to you, letting you know whenever you arrive, you know, just chime in. We're glad you could join us. Well, yeah, we had a really the feature artist, day, of course. Yeah, greetings, man. Um, I'm sorry. I just kind of had a really rough day, and I kind of passed out there for a minute. But I've been listening, kind of, and I hear I hear what y'all saying. Oh, we're glad. Like we're glad to cool. have you. You're always a pleasure to have joining us, either in the chat room mm-hmm. or on the call. Do you have any questions? We're we have Troy Lance Rollins with us. Um, of course, he's a stand-up comedian slash actor, but he's also 
a writer, he's a published author, he's a poet, and his theme or, or topic for discussion is love, sex, and relationships. And his mm-hmm. mission is to help men and women to better communicate. That's that's his goal when he does mm-hmm. his shows. He's on cool. tour um, during the month of May, the month of June, and the month of July. I believe he's doing a summer tour this year. And he was just sharing oh, with us, you know, some of the topics that he covers. So if you have any questions hearing, for him. I was hearing some, some of that. Mm-hmm. I would just like to um, give this, this my, my portion of, of what I've observed, like what, what kind of screws up the, the, the black family, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and it is, you know, true, true, everyone knows, like, things are really hard, especially for us. You know, mm-hmm. you know yeah. a strong a strong black man isn't too too appreciated here in this society. Mm. You know, we're we're, yeah. we're, yes, we're condemned to, to prison. We're we're, we're 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 you know when there's a job when there's certain jobs available we're always falling to some stigma or stereotype. Mm-hmm. But the the minute right we 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 seek the pleasure of each other's company, but the minute we we conceive a child, that's when everything kind of goes haywire. Mm. You know, all of a sudden now we're, we're no longer friends because you're not doing enough. Mm. The, the, okay. The, the, okay. The, the, bat, the battle's still out there. You know, it ain't easy out here for a black man compared to a white man. Mm-hmm. So the, the struggle is really hard. So it seemed like, well, something hot, less than go and rob a man to take some money. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and and the the fact is, you know, we need the support. We need the support when, when you know, like, wow, you know, you're, you're not providing enough. But, but, damn, man, you know, we're out here trying to, you know, at least you could boost us up a little bit in the meantime while while we're we're going through the struggle mm-hmm. instead of like con- condemning us. And now be, you become our enemy, our black mm-hmm. man. Uh, yeah. You know right. what I mean? You be, yeah. you become uh-huh. our enemy, and then right. yeah, you know, they like to mm-hmm. say that, you know, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing the other, and, and, and oblivious to the fact that out here really and truly the risk factor that an average man has to take, much less a black man, you mm-hmm. see, the white man could get away, oh, yeah, hey, man, I could get a job real easy, or all kind of things. But us out here, you know, the, the, more, the more strong and determined you are, the more you become the, the, the system's enemy. So, yeah, therefore, the enemy. black, the oh, black Mm-hmm. The black family suffers. The black family suffers because because the black woman think a man is no less, and she go on like she's higher than a black man. Mm-hmm. See, so it, it always somehow seems to lose. But the the success factor I find is the black woman who support the black man when when the black man is going through his struggle. The same way the black man support the black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 will be their power while they'll be our comforting. You know, we 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 we're gladly to give all power. Why are they so reluctant to give us the comfort? And so easy to blame us and and call out kind of things when they don't even self see the struggle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. a woman doesn't even care how you bring home the money. You kill a man and rob him and take his money, and you bring home the money. It doesn't matter, right? It, mm-hmm. it is just that the fact that the money is there. The same way America kind of thinks about everything. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of all I want to say in the and, you know, that's really big, hearing that statement coming from you, someone that lives in the, on the uh, Virgin Islands where, you know, you're on an island, you're, 
you know, a whole different type of uh, living arrangement situation than we are in the state. And to hear you summarize basically what it is that we're seeing day in and day out living in the state, uh, that just goes well, to show you. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate the Virgin Islands is America. We're not disconnected, actually. You know, the islands doesn't, the water doesn't really separate us as for our realities. You're seeing it on the islands just like we're seeing it in the States. The same dilemma. The Virgin Islands Islands is America. This is Mm -hmm. the last. Yes, the the United States property. Yeah. Yep, so we, you know we adopted the, 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 the negative. But you do have a different, when it comes to the pace of living, there are some different values, too, I've noticed, from traveling on the islands in comparison with living in the state, too. So there's a lot of things that I tend to highly regard about the islanders um, that I wish most of us or much of us in the states that we could, you know, adapt or adopt those same values. Uh-huh. In terms mm-hmm. of living, you know, it's not American islands, the British islands or the independent um, Caribbean islands, but the American islands are already already defiled and and, and fall victim to the, the 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 plague and the poison that afflicts all American people. Okay. So, okay. If you go down to Puerto Rico and all those other little islands where a woman kind of respects a man more, you know, the American Now you mentioned you said Puerto Rico, the women respect the man more. Then you notice right. in some of the other, isn't that interesting? Cultural. So the then we're dealing with culture. Is cultural um, traditions, you know? Right. Right. Because they get brainwashed and see things on TV yeah. with, with standards that nobody could ever fulfill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they right. put it on yeah. the, the, the TV. Uh, nobody could fulfill that. Yeah. And yeah. important you know, people and feeling that have, I'm the I think. I hold one moment. I want to just make sure that we kind of give everybody a chance to finish their statement. After Skysky speaks, we're going to hear from Mr. Boston, who just called in, and um, I do want to make sure that he gets to speak. And then we're going to hear from Queen's Report, and then we're going back to the feature artist so he can make sure all his information is shared with everyone. Okay? Yeah, uh, yeah, Frank, can I go after um, Mr. Boston because I'm going to have to get off? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. Skysky, you were were making a statement. I wanted to make sure you were able to complete it. Uh, it's so much to say, and it's too 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 less time. You know, I'm just basically a listener, man. You know, oh. I'd prefer to I'd prefer to hear everyone else. Well, we thank you for your speak. input because you know it touched on many things that relate to what the topic is, and I know um, our feature artist is very passionate about all of the above. Every statement made, so you just yeah. really helped us with summarizing much of what uh, was first being stated by the feature artist on the mic. So we thank you, and we'll come back to you. Mr. Boston, okay. welcome. Hello? Yes, Mr. Boston, the mic is in your hands. Hey. Oh, my goodness, man. This man is talking about relationships and love and all of that good stuff. You know, yes. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I I think it was, was Shakespeare who said that... Um, let me not to the marriage of true mind to miss the pediment. Love is not love, which alters when it's alteration. The remover to remove. No, it is ever fixed mark. It's an ever fixed mark that looks on tempest and never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose work unknown, although his heights be taken. 
you know, so I'm just, you know, trying to reiterate on something that this man said, even though I missed most of your show because I had a show myself, you know. Yes, congratulations um, as well on the launch of your new day for your show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so all I really want to say is that to the people out there listening that uh, love is a, is an, uh, an inspiration, uh, that feeling of passion and commitment that adds to the richness of two people's lives or individuals' lives. Uh, relationships uh, are, are provide a secure base from which uh, we grow and expand and explore the inner and outer world of each other, you know, and what makes up those 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 that expanded notion is the uh, physical and the emotional, the mental and the social and the spiritual, but uh, and all of those those pieces together fit together properly brings harmony, and uh, I think that uh, in our search for intimacy, we want the solution right now or yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems that we have in relationships and. Uh, we want instant gratification, and, and we all we have, we have that need for intimacy in a relationship. And when it's not met, we look for an instant solution. And where do we look? We go physical and mental, social, emotional, and or spiritual. And and in that physical realm, it's it's easier to be to be intimate with someone than to be intimate in any other of the four areas that I spoke about prior. And so, you know, you can become physically intimate with, with a person of the opposite sex in an hour, a half hour, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it depends It depends on the urge. But then when you take that second look and you discover that that sex wasn't, was only temporary and that relief was only that superficial desire, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm going to say on that. Okay. Do you have any questions? Because... Uh, Troy is very open, very knowledgeable, and very wise, and he doesn't mind answering any questions that you have on the topic of love, sex, and relationships. That's why we have him on the show tonight. We want to give everyone a chance, get the information they need. No, I'm not going to ask the question because my question well, he might answer the question. The I had a question, but you know, I'm 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 finna hit that 58 year mark, so you know, I'm not too much into that love thing. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, if it's about sex, I mean, sometimes with us being opposite as for gender, I ain't into much of that either. I ain't into much of that either. I'm getting old. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. People are still having sex 190 years, 80, 65, 70, 89. All I said is my bucket might not touch the well, but once or twice a year. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So every six months, you're having sensational sex. Do you have any questions? He touches on even as far as toys, distant questions. People have questions, you know. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't have any really. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean I'm not trying to squeeze juice out of a raisin. If you don't, you don't. Let me let me say something real quick. Like okay. I said, early, early when we started this thing, 
Understand, men are men are different from from women. If if the brother say, "No, nah, I ain't got no questions," he say it. Okay, so <laughs> I wasn't no, respectful. I apologize. No questions. Ain't nothing. Yeah, I don't. I think about it later. I ain't gonna ask no questions. Like, I'm let, me ask, let me 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 put this question. If he if he if he think he owes fifty eight, he got no questions. Well, maybe he might have a question. Maybe it may have something in the back of his head about us women. That's all I'm trying to, you know. Well, I got got a question. I got a question. What do you think about these? What do you think about older women getting these younger guys that's 20 and 30? Somebody's breathing into the mic. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Boston, Master Scott. What, what do you think about the women who are getting these young dudes that's 20 and 30 years younger than they are? <laughs> oh, I mean, the big Good thing question. Is, Good question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The the good thing is that to each their own. If, they, if, they, if somebody's getting somebody who's be it a woman or a man is getting somebody that's twenty, thirty years younger. Uh for one, a lot of younger guys are usually leaning towards older women as much as older guys are leaning towards younger women. So, um if they grabbing somebody that's younger, they you know, it's it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's like when the whole Jimmy Moore, Ashton Kutcher thing was going on, everybody thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where I guess Ashton or Demi, Ashton was like, Okay, he might want to have kids, and she pretty much done. Uh, what's the What's the conversation point? Where, where does it change up? You start talking about Earth One and Five, and he was like, "Yeah, do you hear the new Future Joint?" And it's like, wait a second, baby, uh, I can't even <laughs> Future. <laughs> I ain't even think about the future. Or, or you know, I I was I remember um, uh, dating and talking to older older women when I was younger, and it always came up for them, not as much for me, that, oh, but you're probably going to want to have kids. And this was before I had my daughter, before mm-hmm. I had a mother, any of that. And I was like, well, that's not my concern right now. But in a woman's mind, um, mm-hmm. at some extent, well, the woman at least I was dealing with, at some extent that was a part of her that said, well, I'm kind of done having my kids or I can't have kids. How is he going to deal with that? Is he going to leave me because I can't have kids? Is he going to? And that wasn't even a concern with mine. I was, you know, really in. Here's the thing with younger people. They are in the moment usually. You'll find some that are thinking about the future, but usually it's about the moment. Where the moment. people as you mm-hmm. get older, yeah, yeah, people as you get older, you're thinking about, you're usually thinking about more of the future because you, you start thinking, okay, I got more time behind me than I do ahead of me. Whereas a young person is like, I got more time ahead of me. I'm, if you get a young person that's into that moment, and someone else is thinking about, okay, how is this going to work out, usually it's going to fizzle away sometime because they're not spending enough time in the moment together. One is thinking about the moment. One is thinking about when is this person going to say, okay, I need something different. You know, in that, in that sense, sometimes it's crazy. But you got people that got married to people 20, 30 years younger, yeah. and they married. So it's, it's different for each individual couple, you know. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good answer. So, Mr. Boston, um, and, and do you have any questions about 
us women, I know Queen Zipporah can answer that for you if you have a question about us women. Why do we resort to um, wanting to talk or get involved with the younger? I got one question for Queen Zipporah. Oh, Oh, Queen Zipporah. Yes, yeah. hello, Mr. Boss. Yes, I'm here. And I got, I got, I got, I got a question that's gonna stack a question. Do you love me, and are you in love with me? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, y'all got a hotline going on. That sounds like something <laughs> off the <laughs> air. This would be at. That doesn't sound like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but people are just old nowadays. Propose that on the air now. <laughs> Holding the answer, sorry. Or is there something <laughs> I don't know? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear the laugh she gave? You can always tell my woman's laugh what's really going on. He was like, you uh-huh. love me. The laughter? You can always tell my woman's laugh with yeah, That's you know, true. The laughter is the big laugh giveaway. <laughs> so answer the question, Queen Zephyr. No. <laughs> Please, Zipporah, could you answer that question one more time? All right. The question, the answer is no. (laughs) Okay. You said said no. The honeymoon is over. Yeah, I just wanted. I just wanted to get some clarity. I want to hear from her mouth. <laughs> I that was, I well, that's better, good. I was that was too in. funny. That was smooth. That was smooth. Oh, I have to say, I like that. That was smooth. That's my girl. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, so Queen Zipporah, she she's going to be departing soon, and I know there were some things that she wanted to share. And if she has any suggestive readings for us, you know, she always assigns us something to read every week. Queen Zipporah, the mic is now in your hands. All right, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, about what Sky C. Real was talking about, you know, the black American male, you know, and the problems, trouble, et cetera. You know, and when, you know, blacks go at each other, it's called identifying with the aggressor. Hmm. And I recall, you know, like saying that last week. And you're giving us from the psychology, mm, the psychology. perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doctors of poor assaultment, yep. Identifying with the aggressor. I think that's important because a lot of times, you know, people say, you know, I'm a black woman or I'm a black man and I'm strong. But then they say and do something that's questionable, something that we would expect the opposite mm-hmm. of from them. And then we're, like, baffled. What is it that I just saw? I thought they were pro-black or, you know, they were very um, proud to be who they are, but now they're acting as though they're of the other persuasion, per se. That came off like somebody that was a, like they would say, a racist Republican (laughs) whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or whatever, or a, a white Aryan supporter, you know, and they make a statement like that. What's going on here? So we do have to kind of check ourselves from time to time and just know you can identify with the aggressor. Um, it's that saying, you know, the person was a slave to their master, and then when the master promoted them and gave them a position on the plantation where they were over the slaves, they did worse than the master did. Uh, yeah, they're saying the copycat. 
and that's where, you know, this whole, you know, black on black, you know, uh, attacks come from. And uh, as I had said, you know, one time before about it is that, you know, blacks figured that they wouldn't be suffering if souls were dead. And that's why there's this civil harm. Mhm. Mhm. Interesting. Well, Queen Zippor, as always, is you always give us much to consider. Very thought-provoking statements made, and you also had a lot of references uh, to various literature. Are there any suggested readings or books that you would like for us to review yeah, during the week? Yeah, there's one that's uh, what I had mentioned earlier, Love Prescription, Ending the War Between Black Men and Women by Dr. Jeffrey uh, Gardner, Mayor Paradere, Mayor Gardner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's available online. Very good book, very good book. Yeah. I've heard much, uh, many people uh, talking based on a lot of what that book contains. I think... It's an important book as well, especially for men and women in general, because we don't want cycles that we've been seeing to continue within the black community or just within the community at large, because we know it's not even a color uh, uh, basis any longer because we're so diversified now in our cities and we're finding because of the intermarrying and so forth the blacks and the whites and the Asians, everybody's all together now. It's a solid bowl, for real, from city to city. Um, you know, you go to the, the colleges, universities, but also you go to the public schools and you find these children. And it's like now it's not even a black. What do they say? I guess a lot of them are saying other now because they're mixed with so many things. Um, you know, what do they elect as saying I am black or I am white? Some I, I heard Tiger Woods, and I never forgot it. He said I'm black, Kate. Cave, black, Caucasian, and I was like, wow, see how much the world is changing, and a lot of times we don't really think of it, but people are saying every they are everything that they are now. It's not just a black or I'm white. They're saying that. <laughs> so it goes to show you we have to broaden our horizon and realize that, you know, you are everything that you are, and that's kind of new for us because you know for many of us, we grew up in, in society was different. You was either black or white. You know, I want to say a couple of things, you know, regarding it, about the whole diversity, is that one of my teachers has said, if you were from another country, then the more interesting that you were. Say that one more time with a louder volume. Yeah, one of my teachers said, if you were from another country, then the more interesting that you were. You know what it is? I heard you say, if you were from another Another country, country. then the more, and then that's that. the, The more interesting that you were. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was like disturbing because uh, they reminded me of what I read about this woman. Well, this was nonfiction real. Mm-hmm. Chinese and Jewish. And she had said how she had been set up on many dates because, you know, she was somehow people or how Asian culture fascinated people. And she was set up on many dates because of this. And she's told this man has a preference for Asian women. And later on she's told he didn't think that you were Asian enough. 
So basically, he was looking for someone to base, you know, on the culture so he could say that he did it. And she was fortunate, you know, not to be an object of their affection. Mm. Mm. You know what? You touched on something, even with regards to sex, and most of us haven't been on a campus or attended college, and even it, it starts before then. I've heard a lot of women of other nationalities say once you go black, you don't go back. Yeah, you know, you hear these. I'm just saying, you hear these statements, Uh and then I've heard um, even African American men say about Asian women, like I love Asian women more so than any other kind because they do whatever. I mean, it's just I don't want to come off like I'm stereotyped, you know. But Uh these are things that are said. Yeah, so it's, like it's disturbing. It's funny, and then it's not funny. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, these things are – Mr. Boston, I mean, I'm sure your man, like you said, you're 58. You've been around – you've traveled the world, So, and, and you've even been among monks. Um, not everybody can testify that they've had that experience. You've, you know, had that experience. Can you share maybe some things you've encountered with women of other nationalities, things that they believe – about you, just mere speculation, based on mere speculation and hearsay because of your race. Has it helped you in terms of relationships or has it been like, a, you know, an obstacle? Hello? I think we got disconnected. Wow. Yeah, we got disconnected, Mr. Boston, somehow. I thought I heard somebody say hello, or was that somebody else? Um, that must be Troy. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. That must have been Mr. Boston that was disconnected. Uh-huh. And I see we have Pam. Hi, Pam. Welcome back. Hi. How are you doing? We're uh-huh. doing good. We were touching on um, race relations in terms of sex and how people perceive people in general that are of another race based on some misconceptions, some stereotypes and things. Now, I don't know all of the races you may have had relationships with or anything like that, but if you can be open and just share with us, has it ever been a factor where you you would not advance forward in a relationship with a man because of his race? Even though you loved them, you you know had a lot in common, or maybe there were just some inhibitions or just some even percept a perception you had something you expected would be different because of the race they were. Um, actually, I've had experience with that. I am, you know, um, most recently I I have mentioned my fiance and he he was African American and I'm Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And um, most de- most definitely, there even within um, you know the Caucasian uh, community and and the African American community, there there were obstacles very much mm-hmm. so. And um, it, it's unfortunate, you know, it's very unfortunate. Um, but now, I, in your um, relationship, would you say love conquered all? Of whatever yes. those odds were, love really yeah. found a way, and you 
you endure whatever hardship. Mm. Yes, ma'am. In that particular relationship, absolutely. Um, My fiancé had um, a very rare form of cancer, and um, Mm. my son and I um, took care of him his last year. Wow. um, Bless you. With him when he he passed to the other side, and, um, you know, his his family and I never never found a common ground, um, mm. even with him. And he he you know at one point in his life in his younger years he was quite the hellraiser. And um, in short, mm-hmm. he became the peacemaker. And um, mm. it 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 was a strain. It was a strain, definitely. And a lot of it was stereotyping. They they never they never allowed themselves to get to know me as a person, and um, I got tired of it. You know, I I got tired of being stereotyped. So it you know it it wasn't um, it wasn't a a, a a good relationship. Although he may you know we were pretty close um, physically to his mom and his family and. And he was able to maintain his relationship with them and so forth. I, I could not overcome the obstacles of the stereotype with them. And um, even when I moved from South Carolina to, to Arizona, um, there was only one family member that had, um, you know, maintained communication with me um, during and since that time that, you know, was extremely supportive. Um, I don't really have an answer or a solution to what could have happened. It, it's mm-hmm. really based on personality and mm-hmm. um, willingness, basically. And, you know, if someone's not willing to give a race a you know, a chance just because of their race or situation, then, you know, unfortunately... Um, a stereotype can never be broken with some people. Very good. True statement as well. Thanks for sharing your own personal experience with everyone as well. Now, in reference to, I know you're you're Caucasian, in reference to a nationality, would, would it be Irish or Italian? Like what? Um, uh, I'm French, um, English, um, Irish, and, and German. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, United my, Nations. My grandparents <laughs> outside were French and and uh, English and German, and my mom was um, the Irish, German, and English, and not French. So oh, okay, so you can identify well with what we were saying. We we're sharing how a lot of the children today they are like more than just two things. You know, there's so many, so many whom are mixed. As for you know, more than just one or two ethnic uh, groups, and right. so the black and the white, it's just like you know they're claiming all of what they are. I like how you you broke it down uh-huh. and said you know all of what you were, and how that even broadens one's horizon about relationships too, because you're now you have to be more open-minded in that regard. That no, it's not. Just I'm meeting someone that's just black or someone that's just white. I'm meeting someone that's more than likely mixed with several things, and they're going to be proud of all of who they are. So I need not 
be biased towards them if I expect to have a positive or healthy relationship with them. And yes, so, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And their family. And their family need not. Mm-hmm. And their family. That's right. Yes, within ourselves, we need to be open-minded. Um, I think that it's in our society today that our our you know generation. You know, my son, my youngest child is 24, and you know um, he's he's got a disability. And, um, you know, it's it's a very, very difficult society for that age these days. And mm-hmm. the challenges of just making a living is, is extraordinary, you know, minimum wage and all that, you know. And then, then to top it all off, you've got a lot of discrimination. I mean, like I said, I've lived on the East Coast and West Coast, and there is definitely definitely bias both on both coasts and um you know it's unfortunate even um with you know different asian people they they you know the different nationalities of asian people um have bias against other countries and 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 you know it it's it's not just um white and black or asian and black or you know african american whatever mm-hmm. It is like you said the you know goes to our heritage to where you know America was built on a country this country's built on a potpourri of of nationalities, and you know we all could be a part of the same nationality you know mm-hmm. it, to some degree or another, just because um I only know of the right. mean that I don't mm-hmm. have some, um, you know, Pacific Islander in me. Or, That's right. Or, That's right. Or, True. You know, I don't know. I, you know, mm-hmm. I've never done a genealogy, you know, the, the little new test they got out. I only know what I've been told. And, you know, many, many generations now have held such a shame to, um, y- you know, being um, African American or uh, Asian or Mexican or his, Hispanic or Spain, you know, I mean, they want to forget that, and so that that story doesn't get told to generation after generation. We don't really know mm-hmm. where we. How can we judge when we don't even know ourselves who we are? That's that's how I. Mm. You know, I. Well said. I don't. I, I I am very I've worked my entire life, um, since I was sixteen and I've worked with so many people from around the world, you know mm-hmm. you know, and it it it's interesting. It's it's um enriching and it was a great experience. But I saw a lot of people that weren't open to that opportunity and you know, quite frankly, they missed out. You know, That's they right. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm I'm loving everything that you shared because it's so relevant to our conversation this evening. I'm going to return the mic back now into the hands of our feature artist as he wraps up um, our show for this evening and shares with everyone how they can contact him post tonight's show. Welcome back, awesome. Troy. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was uh, you're welcome. Had a, had a great time. 
you can everybody can reach me on relationshipcomedy.com, relationshipcomedy.com. It's pretty simple. And browse the site. My books are there, DVDs. Um, you can also check out my event, upcoming event schedule. Uh, I'll be actually I'll be teaching in the morning here in Los Angeles at the Comics mm-hmm. Rock Convention, uh, teaching my radio etiquette class. And then that tomorrow evening here in Los Angeles, if anyone's in the Los Angeles area, uh, we have a jazz show at the E-Spot, Chilla E-Spot in Studio City. Uh, you can go to vgjazz.com, V as in vertical, G as in group, vgjazz.com and get tickets for the tomorrow night's jazz show. It's going to be an amazing show tomorrow night with Lyle Tizer, Jock Lasor, uh Dwight Tribble. Mm-hmm. So I think that show tomorrow, one of the shows I produce with VG Jazz. So that will be great. Also, I'll be coming to the Baltimore area July, August, and September is the Samba Series. Stay tuned for that. I'll be back in York, Pennsylvania. I'm trying to get to Philly. Uh, still looking for okay. in Philly to bring the show to Philly. I'll be in New York on July 20th. So you can get all the information about upcoming events and everything on relationshipcomedy.com. And always feel free to put questions on relationship comedy and keep the conversation going. You can find me on IG or Twitter and everywhere else at Troy Rawlings. And I noticed there was something with Instagram you were doing at some point in the day, like if people just wanted to have a conversation, they had a relationship question to ask. Um, yeah, how often in, is that? Could you share? Yes. Yeah, I call it answers in 15 seconds. If you, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. you, you just go to one of the posts and uh, I post up, I let people say, hey, you can ask a question, you can type it in the comment section, and I'll put a video up with your answer and tag you in it that they can share and stuff like that. But little quick answers to questions. I try to give them a, a, juicy, a good answer, too, a good, straightforward answer in 15 seconds. Mm. <laughs> in 15 seconds. Awesome. Right, right. Wonderful. Well, we thank you so much for um, sharing with us tonight some of your time and lending yourself on to this platform to be just what we needed tonight. We needed someone that could just give us a wholesome dialogue about love, sex, and relationships in a non-biased way, and you did just that, answered plenty of our questions, and we will definitely be following up with you. I'm going to make sure and promote all of your contacts on the uh, Exceptional Scribble Show fan page, which is on Facebook under that title, The Exceptional Scribble Show. Thank you so much, Troy. This was indeed a treat, and awesome. we are, awesome. we're going to definitely awesome. be in touch. We, have we to want to have you back. Francine is family. This is my favorite, one of my favorite first cousins. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I, I have to give you props for the consistency and the level of excellence that you've continuously done with Exceptional Scribble. I've been watching you. And oh, I think you. Episode, episode 107 or something like that. Yes, uh, we're uh, now in the triple digits, 107. I'm shocked. You know, that's <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. Time you flies when you're having fun. Exactly. Well, thanks for the encouragement, and we look forward to definitely continuing to promote your events. Feel free to, of course, you know you can photo tag me or inbox message me when you have events that are forthcoming. And also, uh, feel free if ever you just have some spare time on your hands on a Tuesday night. It's the same time every week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have your input shared, and we thank you for the wealth of knowledge you shared with us tonight. And best of success with your upcoming tour. We will be supporting and helping to promote it. Thanks so much. Love you so much. Love you too.
Peace and blessings. We'll stay in touch. Wow. Well, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we had a treat this evening. It's always a treat uh, whenever you have an artist on that doesn't mind telling the truth. And, of course, we had Troy Lance Rawlings. He was the feature artist on tonight in the spotlight on the panel of The Exceptional Scribble Show. That was episode 107. I will be posting the archive link of tonight's show. It should get posted, I would say, if not, um, between 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. You will definitely find it up on tomorrow early, early in the morning because I do believe in making sure that it becomes accessible because there are those that wanted to call in. We had some people that wanted to call in but they had some uh, previous engagements, and the time allotted, there was a, a time conflict. They were not able to join us at our time for being on the air. But I do want to give a special thanks to my dear friend, and this is her second time calling into the show, Miss Pam. I tell you, you are exceptional, Miss Pam. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you. That. Uh, that made my evening. I, I appreciate that. I I enjoy the show and and um, your guest and your and and co-host. I just got a lot of information and I, I'm gonna keep coming back. I appreciate being here with you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciated having you. And this is just our second time. I feel like I've always known you. You've always been with us on the show. And of course, that's not true, but. <laughs> It's amazing when you can connect with another person and it's just like your family because you just have that same spirit. You know, I feel that way with you. So I want to say to you, you definitely are family. We welcome you. Feel welcomed anytime you come on this platform if you have a poem. Now, I didn't ask anyone else. This is still April, and I believe this is the end of April. For us, it's our last show for the month, and April is National Poetry Month. I cannot close out tonight's show without asking anyone that's on the call right now if they would like to read a poem. They are more than welcome to do just that. So I'm going to ask you, Pam, if possible you may have a poem that you may want to share with everyone this evening. Well, I I have something that's dear to my heart that I actually wrote um Today, yeah. Well, yes, the mic is now in your hands. And ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing something original that was just written on today by Miss Pam. Grace the mic, Miss Pam, and thank you. Thank you so much. um, I've entitled it um, Time to Move On. Abusive behavior is like life. It is a cycle of insanity that has no end. Abusers are not only men, women are abusers and venomous. Not only is it abuse in intimate relationships, but it can be a next of kin or simply a friend. It is a relationship where tensions build because of many reasons. It can be insane, jealousy, money, or even keeping the house clean. Mm. Sometimes it is real, but not uncommonly it is imagined and meant to blame and belittle. She 
can attack to a point of killing all self-esteem and respect. She will even laugh at your weakness and try to cause you any kind of pain. She wants control to go to any length to manipulate and lie to be always right. Will She will disrespect her own values to, if it causes her victim any harm to maintain the illusion of superior attitude of being right. She projects her faults and wrongs to blame others and just goes to show she knows she is wrong. The abusive and, the abuse and, abusive and control can go as far as physical abuse, usually towards a child or animal, but can be a man. She mm. becomes apologetic and or kind, kind. Forgiveness is granted to her game. There comes a time when it either has to stop or it is a slow death of self and the relationship. As in life, all things die. I beg you to leave an abusive relationship and to stand up and say, Stop. I have had enough. Time to move on and to be the person God intended you to be. Love yourself as the Creator loves you. Let go with love if if possible, but let go at any cost. And that's awesome. Awesome. I think... You just helped somebody out there, someone tuning in tonight that maybe they are in a unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship, and they need to leave. They need to exit. You just gave them a full description of what abuse is. Uh, sometimes people mistake abuse and perceive it to be, oh, well, that person was just having a bad day. They were just out of character just at one time, and then it's a repeated offense, and they realize, wait a minute, this person has an issue, and I'm not causing it. They need help. And if that person doesn't seemingly go to seek the help they need or to accept it, then the individual sees I'm in a very unsafe or unfit environment. I need to leave. So you just spoke into someone's life the very essence of truth, what they needed to hear, and that they should do unto themselves what they would want to see see done unto somebody else. So if you love you and you wouldn't allow yourself to be in a house that's a burning house, a house that's on fire, then the same goes for if you see someone in a house on fire and you can make your way in and get them out, that's what you would do. And I could tell just from the love and compassion that flowed as you were reading that piece. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome job. Exceptional. I like to use the word exceptional. That's the standard that we we're trying to reach with this platform. And that's another reason why... The title name for this show is The Exceptional Scribble Show because we know to scribble is the very beginning um, stage or phase of writing. You see a child, they're scribbling. Scribbling, we also learn as we continue to advance in our learning that it is how we 
are expressing our brain activity too. And there are people that can literally interpret our scribble. You know, there is a meaning to your scribble. There's a message, a hidden message in our scribbling. And it does express a lot about the way we think, our our personality as well as our perspective. So for those that maybe look down on scribblers or scribbling, scribbling is healthy. And if you have the time, please look up um, what is the benefit of scribbling or what are the benefits of scribbling.com. You can do a Google search or ask.com. You will find some very profound information. I think a lot of people sometimes aren't aware that certain um, activities we do with our hands also are connected with our thinking, the way our mind functions, and the two are linked together. Just like you have your eye and hand coordination, so the brain with the hand. So just to share that and put that out there, and our standard to reach on this platform is exceptional. We want to go from just scribbling to exceptional scribbling where we know we're making an impact and we're writing things that are profound, things that will help people, help save lives, empowerment, literary art, things that will empower a person's soul, their mind, and help them, help revolutionize them in their thinking so that they can make the world a better place, their world, wherever they reside, wherever they are, as well as those around them. Because, of course, we know when we're better, we make our environment better. Happy people make the environment happy. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, that's the goal, to be the best that we can be. Well, I do want to share, because we do have a uh, format which is already in place for next week, on next week, of course, we'll be saying hi or welcome to the month of May. We'll we'll be out of April and into May. And I do want to say a very proper, um, not farewell, but see you next April uh, to April because this is the last Exceptional Scribble show for the month of April. So when we return on next Tuesday, we will be in a whole new month. And the date? will be May the 3rd. And for May the 3rd, we will have a feature artist by the name name of Mrs. Janelle Rodriguez. And Mrs. Janelle Rodriguez is an artist. She crafts a lot of crocheted pieces. She's very well known for her signature crocheted artistry pieces. And what's very excellent or exceptional about her is the following. Her crocheted art tells a story. So she uses fabric to tell stories. And I think that's exceptional. So we're in for a treat next week. And she's going to share a lot about the work she does. And she's also writing stories along with creating crocheted, signature crocheted pieces that people can wear. So um, we're in for a treat. Our theme for next week, of course, is creativity. I repeat, creativity. And our focus word phrases, telling stories, 
by means of fabric art. So join me again next week, ladies and gentlemen, May the 3rd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will have in the spotlight feature artist Danelle Rodriguez, and I promise you, you won't want to miss next week's show. We're in for a treat. And to close out for tonight, I always um, have a, a artist that we will always acknowledge and celebrate for tonight. We acknowledge there were two artists, one the iconic um, musical artist, um, otherwise known as Prince, and we started off the beginning of tonight's show, the song Sign of the Times, which was an actual name of a record label that um, he uh, had many songs he wrote on on there and did all the musical arrangements for these songs. And the song in particular, Sign of the Times, was just an awesome song. It spoke a, a lot about what's going on in the world today and how, you know, how very imminent uh, so many things are because of the current conditions of the world. And, yes, we need to be aware that there's war uh, crisis situations um, happening in other parts of the world, and they do impact us. Although our borders may be secure today, we know that after 9-11, we have to prepare ourselves for danger. We have to prepare ourselves for imminent danger and sudden attacks. And I believe that the seriousness of that Prince understood even before 9-11 and that song, Sign of the Times, came out in the 80s. And it was all about how, you know, the world is in a state of emergency. And we need to consider many things, um, spirituality, all these things that we need that will help us to have that inner peace and will help us to get through these hard times and difficult times that we will have to endure because truly it's a sign of the times what we're seeing happening in our world today. Uh, We also did acknowledge Billy Paul, who is known as the soulful crooner, and his song, very famous song by him, uh, Me and Mrs. Jones. But we just wanted everyone to be aware these artists, art and music is forever, period. You know, art and music lives on. It continues. It remains, even after our physical bodies deteriorate and return to dust. Whatever art and music we created, it will always be. And our very essence, which is a spirit, we are spirits and bodies, never ends. It never dies. You know, that's the eternal part of us. And so we acknowledge that these artists are always, always alive. Their essence continues on. And we, in essence, cherish their work because we appreciate the art that they produce. And as artists, we will allow their artistry and just their prominence, their presence, their spirits to always guide and guard us in a sense where we acknowledge that, you know, we are all connected and we inspire each other, we motivate each other. And even with art, other artists have motivated or inspired our art today. So we should always take time to pay tribute and salute 
those artists. So with that being said, I'm just um, ending tonight's show uh, playing There's a Song, I Wish You Heaven by Prince, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.